The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. Uh, missed two shows last week. Get to go moving forward. Excited for it. Joined, as I am every Sunday night, by the uh, NFL Super Friends, Ryan Wilson. Yo, yo, yo. Sean Wagner. What's up? McGuff. And John Breach. <laughs> John Breach, who does math. You missed four shows, Brinson. I did? I only got paid for two, but it was four. Ah, okay, well. So I only well, did. You, so you, I did. Don't forget about don't forget about the Jay Gruden emergency podcast. That was the mm-hmm. Monday morning one that got split up into two, although it was only supposed to be one. You're right. So you uh, blame Jay. Blame Jay. One other show that we do that is a uh, that we do not release on the, uh, the podcast feeds anywhere, but that you can check out on YouTube is a YouTube exclusive. Go to youtube.com slash CBS sports. When you get there, I would suggest subscribing, but you can also just click videos and then you'll see a bunch of video, like a bunch of videos with a like, green background in them. Like that's like the, the, the header, the, the whole, the placeholder image, click on those. The newest one will be our look ahead at week seven lines. Uh, we identified a couple of things that we liked, um, and a couple of totals I think you could bet on too. I would throw in uh, the Ravens and Seahawks over for next week uh, as well. That's at 50 right now. I'm probably going to climb up. Those two teams can get involved in a shootout. Just throwing that out there now. Um, would also mention that you should go check us out on Stitcher. Their app, the brand new app, totally redesigned it. Super easy to navigate and is one of the best listening experiences out there. Download the Stitcher app and then make sure and check out the Pick 6 podcast. Subscribe on Stitcher and everywhere else. Um, Let's dive right in, boys. Unfortunately for Sean, his precious little prince had another rough day. Patrick Mahomes, clearly the only MVP candidate in the entire league. Uh, He'll never regress. He is unstoppable and perfect and amazing. Uh, He did regress. He actually had a pretty good game, three touchdowns, but he lost. And that's important because winning matters. Why do we play, Sean? We play to win the game. And the Chiefs didn't win on Sunday. They lost to the Houston Texans 31-24. Deshaun Watson, I thought, was outstanding. And in my opinion, leapfrog Patrick Mahomes on the MVP rankings, along with someone else that we'll talk about shortly. 30 of 42 for 280 yards, uh, one touchdown and two interceptions. Deceiving stat line, though, because he also ran for two touchdowns. And 
he threw 63 touchdowns to Will Fuller that Will Fuller <laughs> dropped. So, you know, could have been a much bigger day. Second career game with two rush touchdowns. Back-to-back games, he hasn't been sacked. That is enormous. Uh, Patrick Mahomes clearly kind of gimpy, I thought. Um, threw, he had a, uh, 116 passing yards on the Chiefs' first drive, which was insane because that's, you know, the field's only 100 yards long. Um, and the Chiefs are now just 5-4 and four in their past nine games, including a Thursday night loss last season against the Chargers. Secretly haven't been that great. 4-2 and two at the top of the division, though. Yeah, it was a unexpected loss because the Chiefs raced out and they got 17 points in the first quarter, and it looked like they were going to cover with these and it looked like they were going to win with these. And then what happened, I thought the key play, you mentioned the ankle. Um, he kind of had an incident again where his ankle got stepped on and he looked really gimpy. And the problem that we've been talking about is yes, they got Tyree kill back. Tyree kill looked great, got two touchdowns. One of which was a Randy Moss type of touchdown over a taller defender, but they're still without Eric Fisher. And when you add in how bad their offensive line looks with his, decreased mobility, which is a real asset for him, not as much as um, Watson, um, but it's certainly one of his biggest assets. And suddenly the Chiefs offense looks really limited, or at least the most limited that we've seen since Mahomes became the starting quarterback. You mentioned that first drive, according to Pro Football Reference, it's actually the longest single drive they've tracked since 1999. So again, the Chiefs came out blazing. It looked like it was going to be a blowout. Mahomes hurts the ankles. Texans pass rush, pass rush only had one sack, but you could tell that they were bothering him throughout the entire game. Mahomes threw his first interception, could have been picked off another time as well. I'm actually concerned, and I know I've been. Oh, you, you like are. The, well, oh, wow. I wasn't concerned last Interesting. week. Interesting. So now you're concerned. Yeah, because it's but two when games. I said I was concerned last week, everybody was like, "What are you talking about? What do you mean you're concerned? It's one game. Relax." Because, because yes, that that's. Verbatim, that is what we were saying to you. Well, that's what, that's um, like Adam, Adam Azure screamed at me and was like, trash me on the FFT podcast because I said I was concerned. This, the Chiefs, the Chiefs have problems. They have problems. And again, I really think it's the ankle and the offensive line. I mean, look, they have defensive issues we don't need to get into because we've known about that for well over a year. And um, those issues are going to persist uh, throughout the remainder of the year. But they got to go to Denver in a short week now. And Denver's defense is playing lights out, as I'm sure we're going to talk about later. And so (laughs) I think there's a very good chance they lose their next game. Um, The good news for them is that the rest of the division doesn't look very good. Uh, The Chargers completely laid an egg. And so I think the Chargers or the Chiefs are still going to win this division. Um, But their chances for home field now with two losses are pretty much out the window. And now I don't think anyone would take them to go to New England uh, and beat the Patriots. So Patrick Mahomes has one interception. He should still have zero interceptions. So he threw that ball in the end zone because the flag was thrown on the play because Travis Kelsey was tackled. Um, the ref somehow decided that you can't call pass interference on a guy that's not involved in the play, but it would have been defensive holding. Right. So they picked up the flag. The only reason Patrick Mahomes threw that ball into the end zone was because he saw that the flag was on the field and he knew what it was. So that was weird. And I think that's a, uh, Indicative of a day full of some pretty terrible officiating. And I mean, time is if do the Matthew McConaughey smashing beer can gift because time is a flat circle when it comes to these guys screwing up repeatedly in every single game at every single level. It's like they even go back and look at stuff. It's like, what, do you, what did you what did you look at, Al? At right now, it's, I mean, it is a joke. I don't like to co- complain about the officiating, but it doesn't make sense for 
uh, Mahomes to just throw a heave ho a Patrick to Philip Rivers a ball into the end zone because he knows there's a flag on the field and him to pick it up for no real reason at all. The only other thing I want to say because you guys pretty much touched on everything that I was going to say anyway is that as much as we make fun of Bill O'Brien, I give him a ton of credit. Fourth and three, two minutes to go, they were up 31-24, and they're they're on their uh, on the Kansas City 32 yard line. They go for it. There's no kicking field goals. There's no taking a penalty and punting it. There's no doing something stupid, and they don't run some stupid play up the middle. They throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. Game over. That was a huge play, and you know we like to make fun of Bob. I, I give him a ton of credit for doing that. Um, I'm not willing yet to say that Deshaun Watson has leapfrogged Patrick Mahomes MVP race, but he is playing lights out. I don't know how they're not how they're, how they're um, preventing these sacks, but whatever, whatever they're doing is working. Well, I mean, he's playing lights out because. He's getting protection like that is literally unheard of. We are talking about him not being sacked two games in a row. You know how rare that is? This is only the seventh time in his career where he's been sacked zero or one times in a game. And two of them have come in the last two weeks. So this is literally unheard of. And I did kind of throw out the stat last week, but I'll say it again. Deshaun Watson, if he is sacked once or zero times in a game, that has happened seven times in his career. He is 7-0. He has averaged three touchdown passes per game in those games. And so the Texans' offense becomes unstoppable. He turns into Patrick Mahomes when he has protection. He just hasn't had protection. And I think when this trade, the Texans made the trade with the Dolphins to bring Laramie Tunsil in, we were all saying, well, there's a chance that once Tunsil gets comfortable in there, that offensive line could improve. And, you know, I, I think maybe we're starting to see that, but I'm still not sure because they played uh, who they play last week. The Texans, the Texans, who did the, the Texans play last week? Yeah, I know they won. Who they play? Oh, my God. <laughs> Four national NFL question. writers can't remember what happened a week ago. <laughs> they played the Falcons. They played the Falcons. Yeah. So that was what I was going to say is that. So the fact that so we can say, hey, maybe this offensive line is gelling, or we can say they just play two trash defenses in the Falcons and the Chiefs, and we don't actually know. And, you know, Darius Leonard might get five sacks next week when the Texans play the Colts. I do know who the Texans are playing next week, even if I didn't know who they played last week. You know, and, and so well, there the, are... The important thing, John, is that you made sure to ask everybody without, like, you know, giving us a heads up that we would have to know the Texans. You just the- wanted to bring all of us down with right. them. Well, I, I, yeah, I didn't want to... My ship was sinking. I knew it was going down. I had to make sure we all looked completely foolish. Um uh, but yeah, so I, I think that's what you have. And but also I want to throw out that Sean, because you had been bringing it up on prior podcasts, was what Mahomes is on pace for. Yeah, five, I actually haven't calculated it. Five thousand six hundred and ten yards. So he's still on pace to break the NFL record, even though he keeps going down each week. Uh, but you know, if the if how many, Sean touchdowns, Watson, how many touchdowns he on pace for? Mahomes, I, that's not that's not my ballpark. That's Sean's. It's weird that you would look at the yardage and not do the the touchdowns, but I'll check now. I will point out too that after like three weeks, I was like, he's not going to keep doing this. And Sean's like, hey, Cod, wait hey, a minute. Cod. First of all, I've been on the record since week one that I think he'll break the passing yards record, but will finish well short of fifty touchdowns. Yeah. So week three, I said, listen, he's not going to do this every week. He's not going to stay on this pace. He is going to come back to earth. And like, no. No, not the pressure. I still think he can break the passing yards record. 37. I'm by that. 37. 37 touchdowns. Hello, regression. So, two points about the Texans. Uh, Titus Howard left the game with, I think, what they're calling a pretty serious injury. Um, that, would, that would be a bummer, obviously, now that the offensive line is finally starting to gel. 
The second thing is, I think a big key that the Texans have done is this year's, they are lights out in the red zone. Last year, they were scoring a touchdown on roughly 50% of their red zone trips, which was you know among the lowest of playoff teams. This year, they're up to 71% in the red zone. So obviously, um, I mean, just by not kicking field goals, and they actually do have a kicking problem. Um, their field goal kicker could be cut after he missed an extra point and a field goal today. Um, but just, you know, turning three points into seven every single time, I think it's also been key for them. By the way, quickly, I want to say, I take back what I said about Deshaun Watson, not leapfrogging, because as you pointed out, Brenton, Will Fuller dropped three touchdown passes. So he would have had four touchdown passes on the day. One of the interceptions he threw was like a Hail Mary at the, um, it's a, it a weird, I think it was maybe one of the end of the halves, uh, end of the first half. Either way, so yeah, Deshaun Watson has, has moved ahead of Patrick Mahomes for, for right now for me. Well, I mean, I, well, let's take you, look, he went into, he went into Houston, or he went into KC, played the reigning MVP. Beat him straight up, and I realize they're not playing each other, and the defenses are, you know, Houston's defense is better, and their offensive, you know, I mean, like, I, I get that there's all sorts of, you know, it's not a quarterback head-to-head competition, but he went in there and balled out, and he played great down the stretch. Like, the, the Chiefs were up early, and Deshaun led a big drive to take the lead, um, and then also led another huge drive to, to ice out the Chiefs and to keep them from getting back on the field. I just think, again, like, you look at the, the problem with this defense is that you can run on them so easily, and if teams are running on them, it's going to mean that Mahomes is going to have to be perfect, and I don't think he can be perfect with that offensive line and his injury. And as I've pointed out, and I'm going to point it out again right now, the one team I was worried about running the ball was the Texans. Their next uh, uh, five opponents are the Broncos, who are, good, are a very good running team right now. Their offensive line is actually starting to play well. The Packers, maybe, maybe the best running team in football. The Vikings, an excellent running team. The Titans who'd love to run behind with, with Derrick Henry, and the Chargers. I'm not saying they're going to lose their next five games, but if these teams all fit the blueprint and the mold for how to beat the Chiefs, and I would be worried if I'm Kansas City that with a banged-up Mahomes and that offensive line, we're going to have to be perfect on every offensive uh, possession. Yeah, and Brent, that goes along the lines with if Mahomes doesn't have the ball. The Chiefs only had 20-minute time of possession in this game, which is absurdly low and they only had 2245 last week and so you're looking at two straight games where they were under 23 minutes of time of possession since Andy Reid's been the Chiefs coach which was he was hired in 2013 they've only gone under 23 minutes of time possession five times and two of them were this week and last week and they've never won a game doing that and all NFL teams in the past 60 times where they've gone under uh, 23 minutes possession. They are six wins, 54 losses in their past 60 games. So if you don't have the ball, you can't score. And if you can't score, you can't win. And the thing that that is bad, I mean, obviously it's bad for every team, but if you can't stop the run, that's especially bad because teams are just going to run down your throat, eat up the clock, and your offense is never going to be on the field. And like Brinson said, if Mahomes isn't perfect, they're not going to win. And all of a sudden, with the ankle injury, he's not perfect. So, I mean, this, Sean, you said you're concerned, and I'm, I'm um, but Almost with you, but not quite there yet. But the, so the did Chiefs you, defense. Did you get? Did you provide the record for their, when they're under twenty-five minutes? I don't want to double down on it because I've got it in front of me. I looked it up. It's a great stat. Under twenty-three minutes. Okay, well, yeah, I just did twenty-five just to get a nice, you know, concrete number. Two and ten when they're under twenty-five minutes with Andy Reid in terms of time of possession. So, Sean, grab your little Mahomes pillow. <laughs> you cry yourself to sleep. I, I the one thing I was going to add is this defense. We talked about, you know, trading for Jalen Ramsey or whatnot. 
I honestly don't even think it's a secondary. I think they need like a sideline to sideline, sideline to sideline linebacker, which unfortunately a linebacker that good just isn't going to pop up being available for the trade deadline. Frank Clark said after the game that they have to reboot. That to me is the most telling thing, because when you think about rebooting, that's what I think about like us, like people who are bad at technology, like, oh, the Internet's not working. I'm just going to plug it in and plug it back, you know, plug in, plug it out. And like, hopefully it works again. And like, that's what the Chiefs are doing. Like, they're just hoping they hit reset. It doesn't work like that. Like this defense is screwed. There's no solution unless they are able to trade for multiple players. And that's not going to happen. They moved from a three, four to a four, three. And it's like and like plus like people are like, ah, Steve Spagnuolo will be fine. And he want to ring. It's like his defensive sucks since he left. New they York. got Darren Lee, the former Jets first round pick who washed out and he missed conservatively 4,000 tackles in that game. He was fast. Frank, Frank Clark's not been good. No, and Frank Clark hasn't been good. for the 49ers has looked awesome. I would still think about trading a first-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and Justin Houston looks good, and he looked good last week against the Chiefs, so the Chiefs just look like idiots now for giving up all their good players. Uh, let's. You mentioned uh, you mentioned D Ford. He balled out for the 49ers, who may or may not have served notice to the Los Angeles Rams. That this is our division. Beat. I was going to say the B word or something, but that, I don't know. It wasn't going to work out. 20 buddy. to 7. Uh, buddy. This is our division, buddy. 20 to 7. The 49ers beat the Rams. I'm going to tell you straight up, that was the biggest ass kicking of the season. No, it no. was an absolute mauling, Ryan, in terms of what the 49ers did on the offensive line and defensive line to the Rams. Jared Goff, for the first time all season, had less than 2.6 seconds to throw, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. Uh, the 49ers jumped to 5-0. and They were I mean, they smothered him. Jared Goff threw for 78 passing yards. 78. Uh, he's just 3.3 3 uh, yards per attempt. He was like a good? running back. 3.25 yards per attempt. It's just the 26th game uh, since 2009 with uh, less than uh, 3 uh, – no, with uh, – yeah, 3.25 yards per attempt or less. Oh, actually, I didn't realize this. Brady Quinn did two of them. Um, <laughs> shouldn't have. Shouldn't, shouldn't have. <laughs> Brady, Brady had two in 2009. Jamarcus Russell had a pair in 2009. Tim Tebow had one in 2012. Charlie Whiter's mm. on this list. Josh Freeman. Uh, Nick Foles had one in 2013, actually, that year when he was he was great. Uh, of course, Andy Dalton's on the list. Um, Jimmy Clark. on the list? No. Derek Carr made it. Duh. Jacoby Brissett is actually on there from 2017, early in the year. I know, late in the year. Jimmy Clausen had a couple. Kerry Collins had a couple. Um, you get the point, right? Ryan Ryan Lindley's on here. It's I mean, like, it sounds like a list of a lot of people I'd like to have a beer with. Sounds like a great – yeah, for <laughs> sure. But it's also, it's also a list of, like, rookies and, like, veterans who just weren't that great. And, um, you know, I think when you look at this situation and you you have to, you have to say, like, was this the four? All right, let me ask you this, Ryan. Was this the 49ers exerting their dominance, or are we legitimately concerned that the Rams' offensive line and the Rams' offense under Sean McVay is not what we knew it to be? I think it's a combination of uh, just to hedge that bet. I know before the season, John and I, I know, I'm pretty sure, John, you had the Seahawks along with me winning the division. So I, I think. I Sean, Sean, by the way, absolutely buried the 49ers. Multiple. Oh, I know. I was talking <laughs> if the Cardinals might end up be better than the 49ers. <laughs> so I wasn't totally surprised. We talked, we've all talked about how at the end of last season, Jared Goff was not the Jared Goff. We, well, Sean McVay knew and loved earlier in the season. They've had injuries along the offensive line. No bloom got hurt in this game. Uh, Jared Goff has gotten paid and he looks somehow worse. And I think this was as much as this was a passing the torch in the division. I feel like it was a passing the torch from Sean McVay to Kyle Shanahan. 
Because mm. Kyle Shanahan's been crapped on the last few years. Not entirely his fault. In fact, I don't think it's his fault at all. Mostly injuries and just getting the personnel in place. And they have it in place. Robert Sala is going to win coach of the year. Um, he's my second favorite Sala Co- after Mo Sala. Coordinator of the year. By the way, Robert Sala got, I mean, he had like 75 cutaways to him on the sideline, <laughs> freaking out as they stuffed him. The, uh, the, the, the Rams did not convert a single third down. They were 0 for 9, and they were also 0 for 4 on fourth downs. And most of them were like, run it right at the middle, dumbass play calls by Sean McVay. It was very surprising. And I think one of the things, and we've talked about this a lot, is that Sean McVay is weirdly conservative. Mm-hmm. He was less so today, but that's something that sort of gotten lost in the mix because he was, you know, uh, the offense is rolling up 800 yards a game. But um, Kyle Shanahan outcoached him today. The defense is the best defense in the league. I think they're actually better than the Patriots defense, and that's actually saying something. You talk about Jared Goff throwing for 78 yards. At the end of the third quarter, he was 7 for 10 for 27 yards. <laughs> Sean could do that standing on his head. Um, he had he had, he had had no time. Every time they dropped back, he was just getting sworn, whether it was you know, D Ford, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner. I mean, they're just sending waves up there, and the secondary is playing really well in the back end. The other thing I thought, too, like, on the uh, the the Rams defense got pushed around. Yeah. I don't know the number is like the end result um, was that great in terms of yards per attempt rushing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was not good at all. It's like two point four. Yeah, but they forty one carries for ninety nine yards. But they ran the ball well. It was a we're going to get out of here because we know they can't score on us type of game. And you know the Rams were selling out to stop the run, but couldn't really do a great job of it. So I think to me, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Todd. That it kind of feels like. If I'm the Rams, I am kind of worried that maybe defensive coordinators, other teams have kind of figured out Sean McVay's offense. So it's a combination of Jared Goff regressing. I don't even know if we ever agree that he was good. So I I don't even know if it's regressing. Jared Goff playing like we thought Jared Goff was, um, where if he has a perfect situation, then he can play well. Where, you know, last year they had every starting offensive lineman every game. And now they don't have that. So they had the same unit last year, don't have that this year. And so I think what we've seen is that it, the, the McVay magic is just other teams are kind of like, hey, man, you haven't really changed anything. You've been doing the same thing for two years, and we're kind of on to you. Like, this is the NFL. You've got to adjust all the time. You've got to be inventing stuff. You've got to be progressive. You've got to be coming up with stuff. And it feels like the Rams are just doing the same thing all the time. I feel like Robert Sello, half the reason he was cheering is because he was like, oh my God, are the Rams really doing that? Is this really happening? They're like, morons are running in short, from fourth and short right in the middle into the heart of my great defensive line. Like, exactly. And that's what you were like. There's no creativity with McVay's play call. It wasn't even that he was calling weird things. It was that like, look, you're, you're sending guys in motion. You're running wide receiver screens, tight end screens. You're just trying to fool everybody all the time. But this game, it was just like, he's running up the middle. What is going on? I don't, so I don't even know who to pin this on with the Rams. A lot of it's Jared Goff's fault. Todd Gurley obviously didn't play in this game, but even if he did, they probably lose 20 to nothing. I'm going to take points away from the Rams for Gurley playing. Uh, so it is just this, I, I, this offense just crashed and burned and it's been unbelievable to watch and not to take anything away from the 49ers because they did. The defense was an awesome performance, but the Rams have just crashed and burned in a way that I don't think we've seen in a while to go from, they were in the Super Bowl last year and now, I mean, Brinson, we laughed at you when you said the Rams might not, the Rams and the Chiefs might not make the playoffs. And now uh, you might end up getting the last laugh here. I don't remember saying that, but suck it, nerds. <laughs> hey, by the way, so I don't think anyone would have cared if they got manhandled by the 49ers if they didn't get their doors blown off by Jameis Winston, who 
had a really duty performance on, on Sunday morning. One other thing I want to ask you about, because apparently this is my, my thing. John's kickers. Sean is a uh, uh, Mahomes regression guy. But I'm going to bring up the question about the quarterback. So uh, Warren Sharp tweeted this out. So only $10.6 million cap hit this year for, for Jerry Goff. First year of a four-year, $134 million deal. In 2020, that cap hit balloons to $36 million. So at what point are we having the conversation about Jerry Goff? Let's say he continues to play. Just, I think we're having it right now by you bringing this up. But I mean, before they signed Jared Goff. It was the was the introduction to your conversation about Jared Goff and the question, at what point are we having the conversation about Jared Goff? I mean, I, to the, we're, we're calling him in the office and like, uh, we want to thank you for your service type conversation. Because hey, At what point are we going to do a podcast about football? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Look, man. You guys yelled at me about Chase Chase Daniel, then Chase Daniel went off. Then I went away, and he had a, he had a not great performance. I was going to say, you, yeah, you missed the podcast where we killed Chase Daniel. But, look, this is – look, Jared Goff's had an extend, uh, extended period of playing replacement level at best. You can't get out of his contract until – well, you could save a bunch of money. It is more likely that they would not try to get out until 2023. So, Breach, is your guy staying cranky and ask Sean McVay, why did you convince me to sign Jared Goff to all this money if he really, truly is terrible? I mean, if you're Stan Kroenke, how do you feel right now about the fact that your last two big extensions were Todd Gurley and Jared Goff? All you see is Les Snead just setting your money on fire. I mean, it's like the scene in Dark Knight Rises where Joker's just like taking a bath and setting the the whole pile of money on fire. Dark Knight. Dark Knight. It is. It is. That's what Kroenke probably feels like Les Snead is doing right now. I mean, so you look at the because if you're going to sign someone to extensions like this, you know, you have to know that they're going to produce. It's not often that we see someone become the highest paid player in NFL history and then kind of fall flat on their face. And Gurley has only gone downhill since he signed that contract and Goff a lot shorter range because he just signed it last month, but he has gone straight downhill, like down the side of a mountain since we signed the contract. And I think it, it is fair to ask what Ryan's asking on this football podcast is, is it time that I mean, how long are you giving golf? They play the Falcons and the Bengals over the next two weeks. If they just go one and one, I, that's concerning. They, like they have to win both of those games. What are you going to do? Go to Bortles and sit golf? No, I mean, you're I'll not going to sit golf, but I mean, I, I do think that if they end up going eight and eight or something, you have to look at yourself in the mirror in January and say, you know, how do we get out of this? Um, two more points I want to make. And by the way, the, uh, the, the Rams drive chart, they went seven plays. 56 yards in three and a half minutes for a touchdown to, to on their very first drive. And, and after they forced a punt out of the 49ers, it was like, Oh yeah, the Rams are here to play and they're going to show up in a big way after with 10 days rest. Uh, and then they went punt, punt, turnover on downs, fumble, punt, punt, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, punt, turnover on downs. They had, and I cannot believe that this is real. They had five drives that were negative net yards. Hey, listen, you don't go seven for 10 for 27 yards on purpose. Their third, their third quarter drives, one, one, their first one in the third quarter went, lasted one play for negative seven yards and, and, and lasted nine seconds. Uh, their next one was three plays for negative 15 yards and went one minute and 34 seconds. And their next one was uh, three plays for negative seven yards in one minute and uh, 17 seconds. They only had three drives that were they only had four drives excuse me that were longer than one minute and 45 seconds this defense is amazing you remember when we laughed at the Steelers for getting five turnovers and losing to the 49ers 
Turns out the 49ers are a really good football team. Yeah. The- Do you, oh, yeah, I have two more points I want to make, too. About the, we got to move on to this game. But um, it was a pretty big game. I thought that uh, Daryl Henderson looked awesome. Where has he been? You well, can't catch a toss, uh, toss pitch. Sweet. He dropped it. <laughs> did he fumble one? He hit him right in the hands. But right. otherwise, yeah, he did look pretty good. It was like the Raiders fumble against the Bears last week. Oh, uh, really? Okay, I missed that one. Okay, fine. Right, well, whoops. How did I miss that? What was it? Maybe I was telling my family or something. Um, no. And uh, are we sure Jimmy Garoppolo is good? I was. Uh, no. So that's what I was going to say. It's the 49ers' weak, weak link is is their quarterback, and that's not to say he's bad, but he looks awfully like a game manager, and he's not paid like a game manager. Um, and he also, I mean, unlike most, like I hate using the phrase, I'm using it three times in ten seconds. Game managers. He kind of is mistake prone. Like he threw a really bad interception in this game that if they lost is a laughable like interception that we're spending more than just three seconds on. Uh, uh, if you say game manager one more time, Alex Smith is going to appear at your window. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of 49ers quarterbacks, you almost feel like if this 49ers team had like Matt Ryan, like they would be the favorite in the NFC, I think, by a wide margin. Sean, let me turn around on you because Ryan Clark tweeted out, and I disagree with this, by the way. But uh, this, was, this was preposterous. Yeah, even I disagree with that. So uh, he says the San Francisco 49ers are a really good football team, and Jimmy, G- Jimmy GQ is good, but I feel like this team would be the exact in the exact same place that they are now if Mason Rudolph was the quarterback. Uh, come on. No. Jimmy G. I mean, I'm not saying Jimmy G is bad when I say this. I'm saying he's like a – 14 to 18 range type of quarterback. Yeah, that's right. Who would you rather have, Jimmy G or Jared Goff? Contract included? Contract included. Jimmy G. Jimmy G, because they can get out of that pretty soon, too. Goff's like five years younger, so I'll take Goff. Um, wow. I will say this, though. I will that's say this. Crazy Jimmy... talk. What's that? I mean, Jimmy G. Nothing. Jimmy G has never really been good in his career. He's All a... he does is win, Sean. All he does that's is win. True. I, I will, I will like play. Too. One more thing about Jimmy G is that, like, and this is why I think he's handsome. Say it, Brinson. Is he is handsome? Yeah. Who's better looking, Garoppolo or golf? Garoppolo. It's Garoppolo. Is it? I mean, I don't know. Golf's pretty handsome. Looks tall, lean, serving. <laughs> I think probably depends if you're into blondes or brunettes. You know. What do you? Sh- <laughs> I- I'll go Garoppolo. I'm a blonde. I'm a blonde guy myself. So I'm married. I'll- to, I'm married to a redhead, which is why I'm a Dalton fan. Do you want to? <laughs> never thought of that. that was on the uh, profile. That's the only <laughs> Your wife thought she was marrying Andy Dalton. <laughs> Do you want to tell us what your wife is saved in your phone as? as? Andy uh, Dalton. I mean, <laughs> you know Andy Dalton? Do you know what? Do you know about this, Sean? What John's wife is saved in his phone as? I don't. Know. John. No. Come on, John. Oh, Tell come on. You've embarrassed me. Uh, on you multiple sure? I thought Brenton was just going to say it. I don't care. Oh, no, I can't remember exactly what it is. Tell us what it is. My ginger baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. Because <laughs> we were like out, we were like at like the draft or something. And all of a sudden it like pops up on the phone. I was like, does that say my ginger baby? And it does. <laughs> um, and it wasn't Andy Dalton. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> Andy Dalton's calling you? <laughs> um, one more thing on Jimmy G before we move on. I, I'll point out that he is only 12 months removed from ACL surgery. A lot of times, I know that like Adrian Peterson changed changed the timeline, um, and we, you know, none of us here really know anything about ACL surgery because we haven't <laughs> experienced it. But like, I tend to think that your explosiveness comes back about eighteen months later. So um, maybe he'll get better as the season goes along. If this defense is this good and their offense has upside, the 49ers are terrifying, and they're nine and a half point favorites. Are they better than the Patriots right now? You, I would take in if they played head to head right now. I would take the Patriots. Neutral field. All right. 
Yeah. I mean, you're Bel- Belichick versus Kyle Shanahan. I mean, he's got to have PT. I will say this. I think Kyle Shanahan wouldn't cower like um, Sean McVay did last year in the Super Bowl. So, it's so great to meet you, Mr. Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I Can I text you? Yeah. Um, the, uh, by the way, the 49ers held the ball for 38 minutes and 52 seconds. Ooh, mm-hmm. Boy. Great, Bob. Yeah. Uh, Tevin Coleman also looked very good. The Steelers and the Chargers played a game of football on Oop, Friday and Sunday night. Are we really calling it a game of football? The Chargers are, I'm going to just say this, and I, I don't want this to be controversial. They are a pathetic pile of trash. Yeah. Is that the worst game Philip Rivers has ever played? Because I can't remember him playing worse than that. Last week was pretty bad. I mean, it was borderline <laughs> unwatchable. I enjoyed I, it. I was like mad that I couldn't <laughs> watch. I wanted to watch Succession, and I mean, you can't because I got to watch a stupid game for this podcast. But I was like dying to just change off and like go watch something else. I mean, it's it just it's like, what are you? What are we doing here? What are, what are, what are we doing? Uh, that's the Taylor Twelman voice. Devlin Hodges, old Duck Hodges, fifteen to twenty for one hundred thirty-two yards, one touchdown and one interception. That interception. Unbelievable that Randy Fickner and Mike Tomlin would let him throw down the field in that moment. It ended up, you know, it was just like, stop, just run the ball and melt the clock. Uh, Rivers, 26 of 44 for 320 yards, two touchdowns and two picks. Uh, he did make uh, an exasperated face towards the sky as he walked up the field on another Sunday night loss. Melvin Gordon, eight carries, 18 yards. Austin, e- Austin Eckler, five carries for 14 yards. Are we not four, four targets? This guy, dude, was, dude was the best running back in football for four weeks, and now Melvin Gordon comes back, and they're relegating him to the bench. What do you, what do you guys do? Melvin doing? Gordon comes back last week against the Broncos this week. They have gone under 35 yards both times. So two games with Melvin Gordon, Austin Etler. The offense looks confused. And you know what's crazy about them going under 35 yards both times? You know how many times they had 35 yards or less rushing in 2017 and 2018 combined? Zero. Zero. Wow, really? Oh, okay. And now they've done it twice since Gordon's return. So it's like, if I'm the coach, if I'm Anthony Wynn, I either say, look, Melvin, if you can go re-hold out, because we don't really need you, and we had a good thing going while you were gone, or you say, Austin, you're going to the bench. Like, they need to figure out what they're doing. They're having an identity crisis on offense, and it is not fun to watch. I mean, that was literally the least fun I've had watching a football game, because we all knew it was going to end with Rivers – I, I know Sean's what like about any of the Bengals playoff, yeah. Bengals playoff losses. Like what? Bengals haven't won a game this year. Right? I, I, I was going to say this year, this year, it was just <laughs> dreadful. And Brinson, you mentioned Philip Rivers, two interceptions, but that wasn't even his worst throw. His worst throw was the backwards lateral that Devin Bush got a free touchdown out of. I don't know what Philip Rivers was thinking. And since it went in the book as a fumble and not an interception, uh, so it doesn't. Austin, Austin Eckler catches that ball, by the way. He catches that ball and he gets ten or fifteen yards. Melvin Gordon, like it wasn't run. a great throw. I mean, it was like he was like, <laughs> I got to go use the bathroom really bad to get rid of the football, and he like ran off the field. I don't know what that was. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, first of all, it's it's uh, it sucks for Steelers fans because if Ben Roethlisberger was healthy, this is a, a legitimate play. This is the best team in the AFC North. I mean, their defense is awesome. Their defense. Well, Speaking let's. Ben, I got a fun fact. Fun fact, Devlin Hodges has more wins in the Pacific time zone than Ben Roethlisberger. No, Boom. Right. His career? And it, no, they're, it is they're entire- two and six that cannot- on the West Coast. They're two and That's- six on the West Coast under Mike Tomlin. One was Both Vic. those wins come against the Chargers. I think only one win came at the soccer stadium. One was Vic, that. right? One, one was Vic and one was Doug Hodges. Roethlisberger's never won on the West Coast. Is that true? He, that not- no, no. He won. Oh, with Tomlin. It's with Tomlin. I'm going to get you. I remember it's this. Tomlin. It's with Tomlin. 2005. 
He won in San Diego, in San Diego, but he came out of that game, John. So you don't get the win if you come out there winning. Um, well, Tomlin. technically you do. You do? Yeah. Oh, whoever like a... starts technically gets credited. Oh, he's like a starting pitcher. That's right. like why Baker you, Mayfield. Can you sort, can you sort like times on proof of since, since Tomlin was hired, Roethlisberger's 0-5, and Devlin Hodges is 1-0. That's right, and Mike Vick is one of them. Disrespectful. The the one thing I'll say about the Chargers, is I don't want to put it all on Rivers. Get out, by the way. Uh, I think the Chargers' offensive line is just an absolute disaster. It's, it's a fire. It's a tire yeah. fire. Yeah. So like, I don't know how much of this is like, oh, Phil Rivers is old and he's washed, or it's it's just no, that no. every single drop back he's getting hammered. And I know he was only yeah. sacked once, but like sacks are not indicative of overall pressure. He was under he took a whooping. There, right? Yeah. They, they look. They can't run the ball. They can't stop anything on defense because they're all injured. And they're trying to, like, jam Melvin Gordon into this game plan when they were just better off with Austin Eckler and letting him run swing passes and run up the middle. I mean, the, the offensive – and one of their tackles – I mean, who uh, is it um, – God, who was the tackle who was getting just whipped by – uh, Tebow? Yeah, I think so. T-I-V-O? No, Sam Tevy. Tevy, sorry. I yeah, Sam, no, no, Sam Tevy was getting – Sandals. I mean, like, he could – he could sue T.J. Watt for like emotional distress, based on what happened on Sunday. That was tough he, to watch. He was getting abused, and if Philip Rivers doesn't have some time to throw, and you're and they're trying to do these deep drops, and they're trying to get vertical with the ball on the field, and this kid wasn't on offense, it was just not going to work. And this team's not good. Are the Chargers the worst team in the AFC West right now? Yeah, which is a remarkable thing to have to say. They can't block anyone. And to further defend Phillip Rivers, as you were doing, Sean, and I know that Brinson will do tonight when he cries himself to sleep. <laughs> last year when these two teams played, um, the Steelers stupidly had a linebacker covering Keenan Allen in the middle of the field as, as Brinson hugs his little Phillip Rivers doll. <laughs> uh, and Keenan Allen went for 400 yards against them uh, because they refused to put like a defensive back on him. And, and the first interception on Sunday night, Devin Bush was covering Keenan Allen in the middle of the field, and luckily the ball was deflected. Because Phil Rivers didn't have time to throw. If he has time to throw, that game turns out differently. Because Phil Rivers, for as annoying as he is, is still really good. I want to ask you one thing, though. Yeah, good. At the end of the game, oh, I didn't see exactly how that, I didn't see how that happened. I did. I did. I was thinking about if, I, if we'd had time and we didn't have to fire up this podcast right away. I was going to do a, um, a, a like one of those fake voice dub vid- over the video. Like I was like, I was going like, to like, like, <laughs> video and then be like, then be like. Listen here, gosh darn it! You get off the field. <laughs> like, just like do some sort of like, like. This is my field. Get to stepping. This is my field. You do not come on here. My soccer field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, oh my god! And like, I, we. I mean, you saw it on TV. I mean, it's like obviously. So we should but, say Phil, Phil Rivers manhandled like uh, Mike Mike Hilton, a little small defensive back, which yeah. is sort of weird because he usually doesn't it, put his hands on people. It looked like he was grabbing a child by his ear and dragging him like to, like into like timeout. Like that. I have twenty seven kids. Get yeah. off the field. Gosh darn it! Um. Yeah, I mean, look, the Chargers are not good. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you can't, you can't spot Devlin Hodges fourteen points. You just can't do it. <laughs> and that's why I would breach for saying this game was the worst game to watch because as soon as fourteen nothing, the Steelers didn't have to throw the ball downfield. The one time they did, it was intercepted late in the game, and they could just run out the clock. And the Chargers weren't doing anything offensively, so this game completely sucked. Yeah, uh, it, it was cool seeing um, Hunter Henry come back. I'm glad he's healthy. Yeah, he looked great. Yeah, eight catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. They they desperately need him. Keenan Allen was non-existent. Two catches for 33 yards. Mike Williams had a, a bad drop that could have been a touchdown. He and Rivers. It was a bad throw. There was a miscommunication. I mean, I, Rivers did the thing where he's like, I mean, look, 
I'm not. I don't. You, we can blame whoever you want. I mean, you you a holes are gonna blame Rivers. It's fine. Whatever. Um, I, I want to call Anthony Lynn real quick for not kicking an onside kick. Oh my god. Uh, or for kicking the onside right. kick at the end of the game. That was just the stupidest decision in the history. I don't know. You would think he has someone talking to him like, hey, look, you have three timeouts left. So the thing is, the chances of getting an onside kick is like zero percent right now. I'm not. I think it's like four percent. So it is. Almost zero. You don't do it if you have three timeouts because the thing is, if you don't get the onside kick, which the odds say you're not going to, you have to make a stop anyway. And so by kicking the onside kick, the Steelers were already in field goal range and they didn't even get a first down. So they could have tried to ice it with the field goal and said they punt it. They could have gone forward on fourth and one. But if you kick it deep and let's say you kick it deep and it's a touchback. All of a sudden, it's fourth and one from the Steelers' own 34-yard line. They're punting to midfield, and you got yes, it changes everything. You're not at the one-yard line with no timeouts in a minute. Oh, if if the Chargers had started that drive at the third, their own 35, with a minute left and no timeouts, that's a winnable game. Not starting at your own one. By the way, so like this is like the Vegas sweat on this. I had the uh, I had the under at 42 and a half, and. it was, I think it was 41 total points, right? Because the final score, the final score was, uh, yeah, 24 to 17. And so there's 41 total points. The overrunner is 42 and a half. And they, after they punted, all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, holy crap. I was like, 100% chance they're going to get flagged for holding in the end zone. It's going to be a safety. It's going to go over 43. And then Rivers throws the pick to Sutton and he like gets it. And he's like, all right, we have the pick guy. six could have killed I was, you. I was like, go down. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? I was like, I mean, screaming in my office. Uh, By the way, that onside kick, that was, as Breach said, there's a 4% chance. That was 99% almost, they almost pulled it off. It was a perfect onside kick. They almost pulled it off, and it still was stupid to do it. Under no circumstances the, in the, that situation do you the do punt was, The punt was great, and you put it on the one, and that's awesome. And so, I, like, nothing wrong with doing that. I will say, like, I really thought Mike Tomlin should have gone for it there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I, that I basically you. gives you the same situation with punting from your 25 if they actually kicked it deep. That's so, true. That's true. And you know they're running. They're not going to do any more stupid stuff with yeah. Doug Hodge just throwing the ball. So I thought they might take a penalty. I thought at the very least try. They didn't do that. But yeah, like, did, did you hear uh, so, uh, Chris Collins or Chris? He goes, you know, Al, I think this might be the last time that uh, Duck Duck throws the ball tonight. And Al goes, <laughs> yeah, probably the last time he throws downfield. He goes, no, I think last time, period. <laughs> right. He's not throwing again. They got this lead. Yeah, I mean, look, the. the Pat uh, Pat Doherty of uh, of Roto World had a great tweet. He's like, "How is every Chargers game in the history of like the Chargers the same game?" I mean, it's like every it's like they poop their pants out of the gate, give somebody a lead, and then Rivers has to like lead a, like a crazy touchdown, a long touchdown drive, and then they have to they're down seven, and they have to figure out a way to get the ball and try to make it happen, and then he ends up throwing a pick. And then- Why don't they draft offensive linemen? I don't know. Let's, we, we've talked about this game too much. This uh, well, let me, ask, let me ask. I want to ask Ryan this real quick. Do you think the Steelers are a wild card team in the AFC? Because if if Justin Tucker, his field goal sailed over the upright last week, I mean, it almost looked like it missed. And if the Steelers win that game, hey, we got three and three at the top of the AFC North. And, and you know, the Steelers defense looks good. Do you think they could win the division or at least make the playoffs? Well, here's the thing. No, I don't. But even if they do, they're going to get smoked by whoever the the Chiefs. Yeah, but I mean, like you, you, you win that division this year, and like Mike Tomlin's getting coach of the year. Well, he's yeah. one of the Redskins either way, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, Duck or or Mason, whomever. And like I said, if they get to the playoffs, they're going to lose by fifty points. 
Are we, are uh, we so we're going to call him Duck from now on? Is that a, it drives yeah. me nuts that this guy's nickname is Duck. Like, you can't be a quarterback. And he have won a, a duck calling contest. What did I, you call him? Look, have you ever been duck hunting? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. Um, Not bad, right? I thought his name was Duck because when he was a kid and he threw passes, people would yell Duck. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't be a quarterback and be called Duck. That should be Eli Manning's name, by the way. Duck, <laughs> duck Manning. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will uh, talk about how the Cowboys are screwed. Oh, boy. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. I was lying. We're not going to talk about the Cowboys. We're talking about the Vikings because that was on the rundown first. But then we'll talk about the Cowboys. And it'll segue by the NFC East. The well, Vikings. don't give away your whole plan. Why? I don't care. I'm gonna let it up. unfold naturally. Right, it's mo- it's more fun when people don't think we have a rundown and you just come up with it on a whim. Well, that's sort of what happened. Um, the uh, I told y'all all week long. Well, no, actually, I didn't talk to you on a podcast because you skipped both of the podcasts we were. I told that. Oh snap! I got dunked on. Told everybody to stay. Yes, Brinson was not at a Care Bear bar crawl. He was at the NC State game. Yeah, I, was at, I went to the Luna concert on Monday. And I'm, I'm an open book. I tell people. I told, And I told y'all, I told everybody that would listen, or anybody who wouldn't listen. I said it everywhere, that the Vikings were going to whip the Eagles on Sunday and that they were going to utilize play action passes and take deep shots to Stephon Diggs. And all these clowns bench Stephon Diggs. I got loose on Instagram comments about four o'clock because like the the Pick Six Pod uh, Instagram account posted my picks, and well, and like all these Eagles fans were tagging me, and like I'm gonna come back here on Sunday afternoon and blow you up when the Eagles thrash the Vikings. I was like, all right, I'll see you there. And I just like got in the comment section, just blasting people. Kirk Cousins, look, Kirk Cousins, look. <laughs> just, this is how he's like, been. Love that you're bragging about that. Uh, laying on the couch, yelling at his phone. His son's starving. Do you think instead of like <laughs> typing out his Instagram, he like Siri type this? <laughs> Siri, tell this guy sup. <laughs> exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Kirk Cousins was awesome in this game. Twenty-two of twenty-nine, three hundred thirty-three yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Stephon Diggs caught uh, seven passes on eleven targets, one hundred sixty-seven yards, and three touchdowns. Um, at least I think two of them were on play action. I think the the first one uh, maybe was not. Dalvin Cook, sixteen carries, forty-one yards, and one touchdown. They're they're using a um <clears throat> excuse me they're using a smart approach to Dalvin Cook's usage. Like when they get leads, they're getting him out of there and they're putting Alexander Madison in. They don't want him to get hurt or get too worn down. Um, the Eagles were fine. Jake Elliott threw an interception breach. How does that make you feel? Did you lose fantasy on a kicker interception? 
Uh, you know what? I wasn't happy about that because what was Doug Peterson thinking? It was right before halftime. You don't have to get cute. Just take the points. And they were getting the ball first to start the second half. So, you know, like I love a good fake field goal as much as anyone. And nobody appreciates a kicker throwing a possible touchdown pass more than me. But here's the thing is that it was 24 to 10 at halftime. If they had just kicked the field goal, it would have been 24 13. The Eagles came out and scored on their opening possession of the second half. And then it's 24 to 20. Then they got another field goal in the third quarter. Like it, it kind of would have changed the dynamic of the game. So I just, I thought that was a foolish decision by Doug Peterson. I'm not going to blame Jake Elliott for not knowing how to throw a pass because kickers don't throw passes. All you do in practice is kick footballs and like drink water and, and watch butterflies. You know, like, you know, in so- uh, your little kids, you know, Brinson, you have a little kid. They play baseball, sit out in right field, and, like play with butterflies and pick at grass. That, like, yeah, that, that, is, that is actually accurate. Yeah, that's kickers at practice. They're not they're not throwing do, passes. Do butterflies let you play with them? Don't they fly away? I mean, they like sit on your finger and then like you try to play with them, and then they fly away. Uh, yeah, but so I just thought that was a horrible, horrible call. And I like Doug Peterson's a good coach. Um, but I thought I and I, I kind of thought that killed the Eagles went into halftime kind of like downtrodden. So but the Vikings dominated this game, and all I can do is side with Brenton because they were also my Super Bowl pick, and they look good. And if you asked me today if I thought they were still going to make a Super Bowl, I would say yes. Yeah. What well, happens when they actually have to play a good defense, though? Yeah. The Eagles' <laughs> secondary is terrible. There's not going to be any left. Look, look. Bears aren't going to the playoffs. They have two losses. I agree with this, you. They have two losses this season. Yeah, at Chicago and at Green Bay. Then they, they lost by a total of 16 points. Those are two good defenses on the road in division rivalry games. Why are people? Why, why was Stephon Diggs acting like everything is hitting the fan? Grow up, act like you've been there. Go blow up some bad secondaries. They've beaten the crap out of the teams that they want beat. Beat, and it's like, oh, well, they can beat up on bad teams. They're like doing a little bully. You can't handle. It. It's like, no, they. That's a sign of good teams. If they're thrashing bad teams. At yeah, a certain point, still. though, they have to beat a good team. Football outsiders have been saying it for years. What point yeah. is that, Sean? What team in the NFC is good? The 49ers? I would – no. I Quite frankly, I would like to see, watch them beat the Packers and the Bears at home. They play the I don't think they Because I don't think they can. Well, the Chiefs are, the Chiefs are different, though, because it's not so much good teams. It's good defenses. Cousins can light up the, the Chiefs' defense just fine. I, I don't even dislike Kirk Cousins. I will say this, though. Brinson mentioned Kirk Cousins' great day, how bad the Eagles' uh, secondary is. If you guys could guess, what do you think is the percentage of Cousins' throws that were thrown into tight windows? Six it's a very nice percentage. 6.9. Yep. I'm reading the same tweet. And be, Don't be afraid to give credit where it's due. And add in actually, research or something? Was it uh well it's from Next Gen. I don't know who tweeted it. But it's from Jail Next Gen. Uh, I mean you can look that up on Next Gen. Athletic. Um that's right. Sean likes to steal stuff. Probably got it from Reddit. No doubt. Uh look, the Eagles secondary stinks. But the Eagles seventy five percent of the media picked the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl this year, okay? So the Eagles are a good team. They're a deep team. They they the Vikings annihilated them today. It was hey, a bloodbath from the start- the, the Eagles basically had the Chargers offensive line playing in the secondary. That's how terrible their secondary <laughs> I mean, there was no one out there. Yeah, it was bad. Um, I mean, this long. game, the, the Eagles did cut it 24 to 20 in the third quarter. And, and so, like, they, there was it, that it was moment. There, yeah, yeah. There was a no, moment. there was that moment where I'm sure Vikings fans were having their panic attack of, oh, my God. Kirk already, you know, he played well for first half, and this is a team with a winning record. It's over. We're going to lose. I don't know what's going to happen. And because that's what happens when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback. You're going to lose 
all your confidence. You're going to start having an anxiety attack whenever a team starts making a comeback. And somehow they held on to it. And as much as we loved on Stefan Diggs, I do want to point out that he had multiple big drops on this game and probably could have gone over 200 yards. He caused First, the interception, by the way. Yeah, for a guy who was demanding trades, uh, you know, that's First, uh, not great. Player with 100 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns in a game since Randy Moss in 2003. Uh, also worth noting, the Eagles were 4 of 12 on third down. Came into the league, I believe, second behind just the Chiefs in terms of third down conversions at 52.9%. We've been saying, I think on this podcast for a couple of weeks, that was due to regress, and, and of course it did. Uh, look, Can I point out one thing quickly? You can do whatever you want. I want to give uh, Zach Brown props for calling out Kirk Cousins as the weakest link before the game. Mm. In the weekdays leading up to the game, and then he was asked about it after the game. Uh, I'm here to talk about the game. Any other questions besides Kirk Cousins, which is hysterical? Uh, answer questions about Cousins? Well, I'm sure he's like, there's no way in God's green earth that Kirk Cousins is going to throw four touchdown passes and play out of his mind. And then he just lit those guys up like they were uh, Christmas tree and it was, you know, Christmas vacation or something. Mm. <laughs> I'll wait for that one. By the way, Ryan, you're old enough where you'll probably like remember. What is it? I can't. Let's see if I can get it to load. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Short-haired lady with glasses. <laughs> you are the weakest link. Goodbye. The British lady. Yeah. yeah. The uh, Vikings' next few games at Lions, Redskins in primetime. Win-win. East at Chiefs. Maybe. Oh, they could. They could beat. The I'm Chiefs. not beating my Lions. They could beat the Chiefs at Cowboys. We'll get to them right now as part of the segue. And then the Broncos at home. That this is a team that's in a good. Why are you guys suddenly thinking that Kirk Cousins is fine? The Vikings are fine. Okay, that's that's uh, one way to answer it. They're fine. Don't worry about it. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> you're the you're the dog sitting in the burning down room. The NFC East is the dog sitting in the burning down room, Ryan. Not the, not Kirk Cousins. They're four and two and a half game back of the the freaking Packers in the division. They're fine. So is everything okay? Like if the dog, um, the the, Vi- the Vikings get to the playoffs, is that good enough, or should they be doing more than that? Let's see them get to the playoffs first. Because like, if they get to the playoffs, and that's all you're worried about. Then okay, they're fine. But if you want them to do more than that, well, I mean, like I mean, I don't need it. I mean. If they go ten and six and make the playoffs as a division winner or a wild card, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the, the playoffs are a crapshoot. You can't get mad at somebody for making the playoffs as a great team and then like having a, you know, I mean, it like, happens a lot. It happens. It happens all the time. All right, just ask. No, me. I'm saying people get mad though. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 People, people get fired. Brent, people get fired because of that. Like when Brenton was talking to Philip Rivers doll last January, <laughs> and you tweeted out the picture of him. <laughs> okay, Jets yeah. and Cowboys. Speaking of people who get fired for for situations, Jason Garrett is mm. feeling um, it's a little uh, caliente in the Garrett household right now. The Cowboys go on the road as a uh, touchdown favorite. The return of Sammy Spleen, Sam Darnold comes back, and the Jets beat the Cowboys twenty four to twenty two. Season high in points, yards, passing yards, and first downs for the Jets. Uh, Darnold had a ninety two yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. Second longest touchdown pass in Jets history, actually. And the second longest touchdown pass ever against the Cowboys. Do you know what the longest was against the Cowboys? Breach. Uh, 99. Nope. 94 yards from Norm Sneed to Rich Houston in 1972. That sounds like a made-up name. I was Norm Sneed. Sure. Um, Le'Veon Bell was fine. 14 rushes, 50 yards, and a rushing touchdown. I was just really impressed with the Jets' defense. And I think, really, the the bigger thing 
to focus on is the fact that without Tyron Smith, the Cowboys are trash. I think you're focusing on the wrong thing. Nope. <laughs> without Kellen Moore, the Cowboys are trash. All right, so do you buy the internet theory that you espoused on our YouTube show, Ryan, that Jason Garrett realized that Kellen Moore is the hot new offensive coordinator, the the new apple of Jerry Jones' eye, the guy who was going to Jason Garrett him by replacing him like midseason when he's fired because you know Kellen Moore is so smart and he'll be getting wooed by other teams, panicked and tried to take control back of the offense? Well, it certainly is weird because we couldn't talk enough about Kellen Moore being a uh, super innovative Sean McVay 2.0 um, and Dak, Dak Prescott earning that $40 million a year salary that you know he was supposed to get any day now. And then suddenly this team hops in a time machine and looks like every other Cowboys team with Jason Garrett calling plays. So predictable, so boring. Um, let's see if I can find the tweet real quick. Terrell Owens came out of hiding to tweet and clown um, Jason Garrett to Jerry Jones. And here's what he said after the game. Hey, hey, Jerry Jones, still think Jason Garrett's the answer? I'm guessing that's sarcasm. For a decade, a decade now, it's the same old song and dance. I knew they were going to Jason Witten on third down prior to the touchdown and knew they were going to go to him on the two-point conversion. Not too late to bring me back. So, I mean, look, Terrell Owens is watching, half, half paying attention, and all the Cowboys, like, analytics, Twitter people are going crazy about how everything seems to suddenly have changed. Maybe Kellen Moore suddenly decided to call every play that Jason Garrett wanted, or, or maybe he's doing something. Whatever the case, I don't think it's just solely being without Pete. Right. It, it wasn't, by the way, just T.O. Tony Romo was on the call for this game, and he, he said something to the effect of this has uh, Jason Garrett's you know fingerprints all over this. Right. So, well, and look, we give Tony Romo... Tony, Tony was... All, Tony was- Burying the Cowboys. And we give Romo a lot of credit, as we should, for, you know, correctly diagnosing things live as the game is going and all that. So I believe him if he's saying that he sees a lot of... Um, I believe T.O., because T.O. actually doesn't say a lot of things now, and he true. wasn't wrong about that. Guys, I saw T.O. be inducted to the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. You did it locally. That's right. The, the funny oh, I, thing of... Go ahead, Sean. I, I don't have a story to tell. You, would you no, I really don't. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, I was going to talk about the Jets. I I find it funny that uh, Brinson introduced this as like you know like their best offensive game and all this and like I don't want to downplay it because Darnold actually did look good and Adam Gase actually looked like he actually put together a game plan that indicates he understands how to call plays and coach offensive football. But it is kind of funny that this is their best game. They scored twenty four points and it wasn't even like that prolific of an outing. But Darnold did look good. Darnold looks really good. No, I mean it it's. It's infectious. It's contagious. Clearly, um, him being there has, has helped out a lot. It's contagious. I can't believe that uh, Breach don't want to talk about the best field goal conversion of the season. Well, I was waiting for you guys to finish. I'm just going to butt in with field goal kicker talk. And here's the thing is that, and, uh, you know, we were chatting Slack about this today. Is that, So, Brett Maher goes out there and hits a 62-yard field goal and this is outdoors in New York. It's not an easy place to kick. The NFL record for longest kick is 64 yards. Bram R has two 62-yard field goals in his career, which I think is the longest of multiple doing that twice. And then the guy goes out and chokes on a 40-yard field goal. And all of a sudden, remember uh, when the Buccaneers kicker Matt Gay missed that easy field goal? And uh, Bruce Aaron's like, oh, I want to take that penalty because you never want to be too close. He needs to get Brat Maher as his kicker because that's literally a strategy. The closer he is, the worse he is. 
Like he went up, it was 21 to nine. I think it would have cut the lead to 21 to 12, still a two score game, classic Jason Garrett move, but that's another discussion. And he just whiffed on the field goal and, and from 40 yards, you know, you got to hit that. He didn't. So, you know, he should have missed the 62 yarder and made the 40 yarder. So it kind of flipped. It didn't matter in the long run. Uh, But this, the thing about the jets is that I feel like the Cowboys almost got ambushed here. I mean, if you're the Cowboys, you're like, Oh, we watch jets film. They're horrible. Sam Darnold, their quarterback just had mono. There's no way he's going to be any good. And so, like, if I'm a quarterback watching this game in the NFL, I'm thinking, Jesus, maybe I need to go get mono if that's how people get play in their first game back. And, and so I think they were just surprised by how how well Darnold played. I mean, I didn't expect him to play that well. 338 yards, two touchdowns. That was way beyond anything I thought he would do. He outplayed Dak Prescott. And, you know, Prescott has just been on a downward spiral. So I, I don't know what's going on with the Cowboys. Sean, how do you feel about that Dak Prescott MVP mm-hmm. in Vegas? I mean, I said it was over as soon as uh, Tyron Smith got hurt, and it is, uh, I think, it's safe to say it's officially over. Uh, we should, real quick, Breach just mentioned it. The Cowboys were down 12 in the fourth quarter, and they had a fourth and nine at the Jets' 22, and they tried a field goal with 14 minutes left. Down I think 12. down 12. To cut a it field- to nine. Yes, to cut and they missed the position f- game. They missed the field goal. A two-possession game to a two-possession game. Right. Like, I know fourth and nine is not a gimme, but at that point, you've got to go for it and hope that, you at least is you that don't have moment, to go for it. Is that the moment when Jason Garrett was, like, trying to get high fives and nobody would high five him? No, that happened. So it was 21-16. Jets had the ball. They drove down, and then they the Jets kicked a 38-yard field goal, and the Cowboys had to hold him to a field goal to stay in the game. So the Jets kick a field goal with 324 left to go up 24-16. So it's still a one-score game. All the Cowboys defensive players are walking off the field. Garrett's literally out there trying to high-five them. And R.J. Ochoa from, uh, who's he with? Dallas Morning News, maybe. Yeah, so he's out there. He he tweeted out the clip. Garrett is out there trying to get high-fives from the guys coming off the field. And literally no one, they walk by him. And they, like, one of them accidentally bumps his hand, like, looks at his elbow like he just touched acid. I mean, it was not a good look at all for Jason Garrett to just have his players completely blowing him off, especially in that pivotal situation of a game. It was three and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Is there, what, what, what percent chance do you give it Ryan that let's say on Sunday night and, and I point now just hit me. This happened with Wade Phillips too. It was a Sunday night game against the Eagles and the Cowboys got humiliated at home. Jason uh, Wade Phillips was fired mid season and replaced by Jason Garrett. Uh, this coming Sunday night, the Cowboys play the Eagles at home. What happens if they're humiliated by the Eagles at home and they fall to three and four? What percent chance do they fire Jason Garrett during their bye week? Like 10%. I mean, he seems, why would this be the one thing that puts him over the edge? And who are you going to promote? You're going to promote Richard. Kellen, Kellen Moore. Chris Richard, who's been getting head coaching interviews. Chris Richard makes more sense, but I mean, I, you maybe promote you have, two, you have two candidates to do it. You're not, you're not promoting Kellen Moore. He is, he's 12 years old. And, but you I know mean, what's going to happen is that Garrett's not going to lose because the only teams he can beat are NFC East teams. He's beaten <laughs> Eagles three straight times. He's 9-1 and one in his past 10 games against the division. That's literally all he knows is how to beat NFC East teams. The Cowboys, yeah, it, the Cowboys we just talked about how the Eagles aren't that good. The Cowboys it. throttle the Giants, Redskins. and Yeah, but the, the problem is the Eagles match up well against the Cowboys. Why? Because the Cowboys, if they don't have Tyron Smith, they can't block. And the Eagles have a good pass rush. They just have a bad secondary. Well, we don't know if they're not going to have Tyron Smith. 
They might, he might get back for next week. Uh, but anyway, the Cowboys thrashed the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins the first three weeks, and now they've lost to the to the uh, the Saints, Packers, and Jets. Are we sure Dak Prescott can't can can he beat good teams? Yeah, no, he can. You got to protect him, just like I mean, you had the same yeah, conversation with Philip Rivers. Why is, Kirk, why is Kirk Cousins getting railroaded and everybody's like like giving Dak? Because Dak, Dak Prescott came in as a rookie and played really really well. Kirk Cousins, once Sean McVay left, has been terrible. He's worse than Case Keenum. It's not true. He's had because it's it's. I'm not saying I agree with this, but it's because Cousins in his career now has like a six and twenty eight or whatever it is after he beat the Eagles. And, and, and Dak games. also has more playoff wins. Yeah, in far fewer seasons than Kirk Cousins. Wow, congratulations! But uh, Dak has undoubtedly been in a better supporting cast with that offensive line so yeah I think. i'm just telling you that wait they have gary bradbury the offensive rookie of the year <laughs> that's true I don't, I mean, look, i'll come through i'll come through your award predictions to find a bunch of terrible predictions too no oh, i can't wait every single one is more defendable than a setter winning <laughs> rookie of the year we should have a mid-season show where we go over our just horrible predictions and make fun oh of my god i just looked it up ryan predicted a kicker would win defensive rookie of the year there That's not surprising. Kickers aren't even defensive players. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Of course he did. Why would he do that? Um, Jeff Reed. Who was your, uh, what, what, what do kickers qualify for then in the rookie of the year? Uh, this actually came up last year with, with uh, Michael the, Dixon. The I know, Sean. Yeah, that's why I'm asking Will. Oh, is it offense or defense? I don't know. Uh, why don't you tell us? I think punter should, should be punter defensive Wilson? and kicker should be offensive. Yeah, I said that last year. We don't know the answer. It's never going to happen because nobody cares about kickers. That's mean. I'm right here. <laughs> I can hear you. Let me... <laughs> All right, what else? Hopefully the Yankees don't win. You know who sucks too? Here, here. The Yankees. Um, let's go. Seahawks Browns. Oof. Ooh. Oof. Cleveland had this game. I don't know what happened. They were winning was... this game. Um, Seahawks, uh, Seahawks are now eleven and two in their past thirteen games. You know who's done better than that over that span? Um no. Nobody. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say the Patriots, but I was like, good spot, good spot for a fun fact, but that'll work too. I didn't uh, know where. I knew we were trying to lessen the fun facts. Russell Wilson. Yeah, this is fine. Russell Wilson. By the way, shout out to whatever listener found Sean's address and sent him the fun fact tank top. <laughs> and so Bill Sean, out that address. So at like 1 a.m., Sean Texas. 1 a.m. last night on, or Saturday night, Sean Texas is like, I got a. Check out what just came in the mail. It's a, it's a tank top that says hashtag fun fact on it. Amazing. I bet it was the dude who runs the fun facts. Uh, I'll DM him and ask him. I bet it was Sam who did it. How uh, does he have my address? I don't know. You can probably so, look it up on reverse white pages or something, right? For instance, I tweeted it out. <laughs> How do you know my address? More because concerning. <laughs> I, Brinson I gave it to me to give it to you. Sean's moving. <laughs> he lives in Oakland, in case anyone's wondering. How come you're not wearing your uh, your pick six zip up that I sent you? Yeah, it's we talked about this because it is incredibly tight to the point He's where you guys would make fun of me. You guys made fun of me at dinner at the summit for wearing a, a shirt that fit me perfectly fine. I don't know how you're going to react if I put on this half zip in front of you guys. I, I know how we'll react. Yeah. You start putting on it in front of us. It's going to be weird. Uh, Russell Wilson. Put it on in front of the, the Browns. 23 to 33, 295 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, uh, nine carries for 31 yards and a touchdown as well. 14 touchdowns, no interceptions this season. And if I may posit, I think Russell Wilson is the current leader after six weeks and mostly six weeks of the MVP race. Yes, you said Thank it you. also. Pete Prisco. Pete Prisco. Which means it has to be true. 
I know. As I quote, you would all say, you don't even get, get a lot of argument on that. I don't think. I mean, who's who? If if what you want is a team that's winning games, and you need a guy that's carrying the offense and playing at an extremely high level, it's Their hard to find. Not good either. The defense stinks. Yeah. The run game is pretty good. Chris Carson's playing really well. He's got Tyler Lockett, who's a sneaky number one receiver, but not a, like it's not Julio Jones or anything. And then after that, he's got no one else. Will Disley uh, suffered an Achilles injury in this game. I think the belief is that he's probably going to miss uh, the rest of the season. Um, so you know, yeah, offensive line injuries. Yeah. I mean, Russell's playing out of his mind right now. The best part is that in the third quarter, apparently the helmet went out, the communication with Brian Schottenheimer. So he's just calling his own plays. He's calling his own plays and, and let it touch and, up. And it looked, it, looked, it looked a lot better than the Brian Schottenheimer. Of course offense. it did. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, just like, like it's, hey, I uh, can't figure out what, what happened with the communication. It's just out. And Pete Carroll's like over there with like a, like a pair of scissors. Like, <laughs> uh, By the way, we talked about uh, the, the Seahawks being 11 and 2, and that's the best record over the last 13 games for any team. Uh, Mayfield is throwing more interceptions than anyone on planet Earth right now, too. He had three uh, on Sunday. They all weren't, weren't his fault. The first one was, I think. The second one may have been tipped. Um, the third one was sort of a backbreaker that, towards the end of the game. But I don't know what happened to him from this year to last year. He's leading, can't blame the, the offensive line. He's leading the NFL in interceptions. Yeah, I'll say this about he's had a number of picks in the last two weeks that have bounced off his receiver's hands. But on, And so like that shouldn't result in an interception. But if you look at all those passes, his ball placement is so wild. And it, it happens on passes that aren't going for um, interceptions. But it, we're talk again, just because he's missing a guy's chest doesn't mean he deserves to have an interception out of it. But he's creating easy completions and turning them into difficult catches because he can't hit a guy in stride. Like and it's a major problem. Yeah, yeah. He and it was tough because he had a spot there where they were down four, and it's like, all right, you got the ball back. You're against the Seahawks defense that isn't that good. Go lead a touchdown drive, win this game, and you know. You're going to get praise from from here to you know kingdom come, and do you think he threw an interception there? Right. Oh, you, so, you guys... know what happened? He actually threw it to Dante uh, Dontrell Hilliard, hit Hilliard in the hands, bounced up, and um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't on him. Right, made the play. Did you right. guys see the um, fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter sequence that Freddie Kitchens completely botched? Oh my god! Oh, I'm glad you brought this up because I want to bring up Kitchens, but go. Okay. Um, so they had a third and goal from the one. Through incomplete. Uh, then on fourth and goal from the one, uh, I want to make sure I have this right. They had threw a play. A threw a pass to, to Jarvis. Just take over. I'm they threw a pass to Jarvis, game. and Jarvis uh, catches the ball, sticks his arm out over the end zone. It looks like he crosses the end zone, uh, the, the goal line, but it was ruled a fumble because the ball came out immediately thereafter. Um, and then the, the uh, Browns jumped on it in the end zone. It was called a touchdown. Uh, and then I think the officials got no, together. No, they've ruled it. Yeah, they ruled it short. Right. Then and they ruled it short. And so because there was an official that ran down right, the, the inline doing that, but they ruled it short. So then the thing is, is Freddie Kitchens is yelling at the officials and the Browns actually come out and they run a play and Chubb is going to score. But then before he does that, Kitchens challenges the play, which negates the touchdown that they were going to score the next play. And uh, well, I think the ruling was that you can't fumble forward in the fourth quarter. Right. And so it wasn't that it wasn't recovered in the end zone. It's that it's placed back where the fumble took place. So the ball, even though the Browns recovered the end zone, the balls moved back to the one yard line where the fumble was. And then that sets up you guys where Freddie Kitchens, somebody's talking to him 
And, hey, you got this great play called for once because you whiffed about the whole entire fourth quarter. He was batting about 5% with his play calls. Calls a good play and just, boom, challenges you know something. Be- you know the best part? After the play gets overturned, and actually Jarvis looks like he did score there, but the official's missing. That's not a huge deal. After they, the play gets overturned, they have fourth. They go for it again. They run the exact same play. Chubb gets stuffed. So if they had just left the whole thing alone, they would have scored there. But it was a series of stupid events that has uh, doomed Freddie Kitchens to be Freddie Outhouse. Suck it. Uh, we're at Hugh Jackson level. I'm literally thinking, watching yeah. this, I'm like, would Hugh Jackson have won this game for the Browns? Because he might – you couldn't – like, you would think Hugh Jackson was rock bottom. And the fact that yep. that thought even popped in my head that he would probably be a better coach for this offensive set of talent – uh, it is almost mind blowing how bad Kitchens has been. The, Jackson was throwing a shoe at the television. The problem, the problem, he's just got too much going on. Like he's clearly overwhelmed as a first time head coach, and it's costing them games. Let me ask you this: so it, was it was it was it he challenged? He threw the challenge flag as they were running the play, and that, like, right, and that he was going to walk in and score, Chubb and then they lose the challenge, and then they run the same play, and he gets stuffed. Apparently, Seattle was playing, paying attention on, on the first play. <laughs> By the way, uh, fun fact via Hawk blogger on Twitter. It's the first time in the Pete Carroll era the Seahawks have given up 28 points or more on the road and won, which I think just highlights how this team has completely shifted identities. Because when Russell Wilson was the quarterback when they were when he was younger, you know, they won a Super Bowl, went to another Super Bowl. But it was really the defense carrying it and Wilson doing stuff in the fourth quarter or whatnot. But for the most part, you know, they were not an offensive team. They have completely switched now where this is his team. The defense is riding on his coattails. And it's, I can't remember who pointed this out on Twitter, but it kind of feels like Pete Carroll coaches this team as if he still has that defense and he still has that quarterback. And he doesn't fully realize that. Things are totally reversed now. You have arguably, you know, the best quarterback in football right now. You know, lean on him and don't lean on your run game and your defense. That said, they can run the hell of the ball. Reach mentioned um, Hugh Jackson. Here's a super depressing fact. The Browns record now is worse than it was last year this time. They're two and four right now. <laughs> they were two, three and one last year this time. Oh, my God. Is that right? How yeah. is that possible? That's incredible. So their schedule gets a lot easier down the stretch. I guarantee you they're going to make some like. Like six and one run to just miss the playoffs. Don't they play the Patriots next, though. Yeah, I don't know. Out of the bye. At Patriots, at Broncos, out of the bye, and then the Broncos are your Super Bowl team. They're not beating Bills. Them. They might lose to the Bills. What are you? Yeah, what are you looking at? <laughs> they have the Bills, Steelers, Dolphins. They have the Steelers twice in the Bengals. The Bills team. are one of the best teams in the AFC. Ryan, we missed you. We needed someone <laughs> else to call out Brinson on his on his crap. Here's they here's, run plays. Listen, <laughs> they have a bye. I mean, that's easy. Listen, that's true. Here's no the, loss next week. Here's their schedule from week 11 on. Okay. Steelers, Dolphins, Steelers, Bengals, Cardinals, Ravens, Bengals. Faux clowns. Yeah, but if they lose the next three games, they're going to be two and what? what I just said four, they're going to go on a meaningless late season like run of good wins. If they get two and seven, this is exactly what Baker did last year. They were crap. They were out of it. They were ruined. Then he like blew up the Bengals. He's going to throw over like five hundred yards and and, like he's going to have a monster season because he blasted the Dolphins and then Bengals and Cardinals and they're going to pick seven and nine. But this is going to happen after they they fire Kitchens and they hire Todd Monken as interim and then they're going to keep Todd because he went on this huge run like Kitchens went (laughs) and the cycle repeats over and over again. Five years from now they'll be hiring Hugh Jackson again. Yeah, they're going eight and eight tops. I don't think they can fire Freddie. They have to just take away his play calling. Uh, moving along. Cardinals. Falcons. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a coach that's going to get fired. 
Yeah, Dan Quinn's getting fired this bye week. He has the 49ers and Rams the next two weeks at home, and then his bye. If they lose those games in embarrassing fashion, I think he will probably be fired. I will see. Uh, Julio Jones, eight catches, 108 yards. Um, he moved up ahead of uh, Terrell Owens and Andre Johnson and Steve Smith in terms of 100-yard games. Kyler Murray, I thought, I thought was really good. He was incredible. Okay, okay, okay. Just make sure. Yeah, I was. I, yeah, he was awesome. And this wasn't like dump offs, checkdowns, or whatnot. Like he was throwing the ball downfield with precision. Uh, Twenty-seven and thirty-seven, three hundred forty yards, nine point two yards per attempt, three touchdowns, no interceptions. David Johnson looked incredible as a receiver. Uh, Chase Edmonds and Dave, like we were talking Chase about, is good. Wait, we were talking about like with the Panthers, like. They can't really give McCaffrey breathers because there's no one there that is capable of handling um, part of his workload. The Cardinals do have someone, and that is a really fun dynamic uh, running back duo. What allows them to do is just spread out Johnson more and use them kind of as, you know, their best receiver outside of Larry Fitzgerald. And I'm really excited to watch the Cardinals every single week because I think Kyler's making a lot of strides. And I tweeted this. I think by the end of the year, there's a chance we're going to look at the Cardinals and say they have the second best quarterback situation in, in, in the NFC West. Wow. If you factor in money, too, because you're going to look at Goff like, oh, my God, they're stuck in that contract. You can kind of say the same with Garoppolo, not to the same extent. And I think Murray, by the end of this year, could be better than both of them. So they're two, three and one now. They should probably be two and four, but you know, whatever. I, I mean, if you're if you're Mike Bidwell, I think you're looking at it like, it's like I think Steve Kime and Steve Kime's gonna save his job just by yeah. virtue of how Kyler, Kyler Murray is playing and how Cliff Kingsbury's offense is start. Like, I don't know if I love what Kingsbury's doing on a, in every situation. I don't know that he can coach up a defense, and I don't know if they'll ever be good on defense. Um, but Kyler Murray looks like the real deal, and he's playing well. And they need to get him some weapons and some more protection. And the Falcons are absolute trash. But Kyler Murray is playing really well. You know, what's funny is that the, the Cardinals almost blew this game. Uh, yeah, they Matt, were up. Matt Bryant missed an extra point. Matt Bryant <laughs> did miss an extra point. Thanks for stealing what I was going to say, Brinson. Uh, but that's pretty much improbable. Matt Bryant had missed an extra point all year. He's been one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL for the past three years. And, you know, it's funny because the Falcons tried to get rid of him last February and they couldn't find anybody to replace him because they had no idea what to look for in a kicker. And all of a sudden they brought him back and then, boom, he just shanked an extra point because the Falcons came all the way back. We're about to tie it at 34. And that was brutal. And, and the thing is, like, you look at the Falcons and here's why Dan Quinn has to be fired. And maybe they can wait till the end of the season, but it has to happen is he literally, they got rid of some coaching staff members last season. Dan Quinn said, hey, I'm going to call the defensive plays because I'm a defensive guy. And what has happened this season? Nothing. You just gave up 34 points to a rookie quarterback. Like, the Cardinals were laughing at you. They just ran circles around you. And that's embarrassing if you're a veteran play caller. Uh, you know, I, I just, Dan Quinn is now the scapegoat for defense, for the head coach. Just boom. Just bye, Dan. Sorry. To follow up on your point, uh, Jeff Schultz of The Athletic tweeted this out. If you throw out the 22-second drive just before halftime last week in Houston where the Falcons played, these are the last 13 possessions versus the Falcons' defense oh as God. coordinated up by Dan Quinn. Touchdown, bad. touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, oh. touchdown. That was last week in Houston. This week in Arizona. Field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. No punts, no turnovers, no any sort of mistakes on the other side. 
Uh-oh. Brinson's happy about something. You watched this Astros game? Carlos Correa oh. did a bomb for a walk-off in the bottom of the 11th. Brinson, we're podcasting. You hate to see it, Yankees fans. Everyone listening, Brinson knows this already. I feel bad for Matt Ryan. He was lights out in this game. 30 of 36, 356 yards, 9.9 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, 144.9 passer rating. And he is just stuck on this franchise that isn't good this year, but I don't see a path in terms of like them being good in the next year or two, because this defense is straight doo-doo. They're going to have to hire a new coach. I almost wish it won't happen. I wish the 49ers could trade for Matt Ryan, reunite him with Kyle Shanahan, because that would just be, they would be the favorite in the NFC if they traded for Matt Ryan, because he's playing lights out. What what if you could trade Matt Ryan to the 49ers for the 49ers defense? Would the Falcons (laughs) be any good? Like, would that be enough? Well, who would be the Falcons quarterback? Do they get Garoppolo? Matt Schaub? No, whoever the, I'm just trying to think. Like, their defense is so terrible, and some of it's injuries, but a lot of it's just been, like, not great personnel decisions. I would, could the 49ers, I mean, the 49ers defense and Matt Ryan was spectacular, but, I mean, Matt Ryan's the rare example where you have a franchise quarterback, but literally everything else around him, at least on defense, I mean, the offense is pretty good, um, just does not work on any level. Brenton's smirking about this Yankees game. He's I'm like, watching the Correa. Uh, Correa doesn't even, like, run to first. He just stands there. <laughs> he knew it was bomb. I know. It's great. He's just, he's just lobs his bat. He, you guys are so disrespectful to the Falcons. You can't even. Oh talk. my God. He he does like he wants the crowd noise. He's doing that. There's nothing that makes me happier than a Yankees loss. Yeah, screw the Yankees, man. Like, God, I hate the I hate the Yankees more than any team in the history of sports. Uh, moving along. Um, I don't need to keep talking about this stupid game. The Falcons. The Falcons stink. Dan Quinn's gonna get fired. It's a matter of whether he gets fired in his bye week or at the end of the season. Right? We can agree on that. Yeah, I agree. They're worse than the Buccaneers, who, by the way, went to London and played the Carolina Panthers. I said it was one of my locks, and a good thing I did because the Carolina Panthers blitzkrieged him. Uh, Kyle Allen, the first quarterback in NFL history to win his first five five career starts without throwing a single interception. He's the first undrafted quarterback to win his first five starts since Kurt Warner in 1999. Chris Godwin was awesome. Jameis, Sean, hey, allow, allow me, allow me to talk about Jameis, because if you were to say that the Bucks would hold Christian McCaffrey, C-Mac, the 57 yards on 26 touches, you at the very least think this game is interesting or close. It was not interesting or close because Jameis Winston had five interceptions and he had two fumbles, one of which was lost. He already has 10 interceptions now after six games, which is the most in his career through the first eight games of a season. Um, he has not played eight games this season. Uh, I think Bruce Arians made some comments at the end of the game about how Jameis always tries to be Superman. This is the same crap that Bruce Arians was saying when he got the job and how they got to coach the stupid out of him and make sure he understands that he has to stay within the framework of the offense and How's not try to be Superman. Exactly. We were saying this at the time. You can't coach Jameis out of Jameis. This is just who Jameis Winston is. And Bruce Arians thinking that he could fix Jameis Winston by, you know, getting him not to throw the stupid mistakes and all that is downright. It, it, it just was never going to happen. There was a sequence um, in this game where Winston had one of the most like hilarious fumbles where he like tried to pump fake, but he pump faked it into a defense, a defensive player, you know, rushing him. And then he recovers the fumble. And then the next play, he fumbles again. Uh, this is just what you get with Jameis. You're going to get to high variance plays. And I think it's very clear that. You know, they'll ride him out this year because they have nothing better behind him. Uh, but he is going to be playing for another team, Kafka, 
the Las Vegas Raiders um, in 2020. <laughs> you know, what's funny is watching Jameis and watching Jared Goff and Cam Newton's benched. It was that thinking that, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cam, 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 Cam Newton's on the bench. He's injured. No, he wasn't on the bench. He didn't travel to London. Well, I was going to say my point is that Kyler Murray was arguably, arguably the best number one overall pick who played this weekend, which is kind of crazy to think about because that's not something you would have thought would have happened uh, before the season at any point. What's the way right? making faces? What's wrong? He's the only the only three number one picks in playing quarterback this weekend? I just said he was the best. I mean, Matthew I was Stafford was playing. Oh, I, didn't, I, I didn't see Sam Bradford. I uh, no, Kyler Murray was better than Baker. For sure. Kyler Murray yeah. is one of the best quarterbacks, period, in this week. Just one week. But That's here's the thing like is that we talk about Jameis every week, and I feel like this was the final nail in the coffin game. I think Bruce Arians, on the, he's going to have nine hours on this flight home from London to watch this film. And if he doesn't, he, like, it's probably not good that he's on a plane because he's going to, like, pull on his pull his hair out, like just vent to someone about how bad his quarterback is. And you can't do that because the quarterback's on the plane with you. And he's just going to be thinking, my God, what did I get myself into? And I think he's going to come to the realization that, hey, I can't win with Jameis. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to trade him or cut him right now, but I think this is it. Like, I, I do think the Buccaneers have decided. I think this game will be that breaking point of we're going to move on. And that's it. He's not our quarterback next year. And w- before I move on, I got to bring up my favorite highlight from the game. We saw a fair catch kick. <laughs> Too much kicking talk. Go ahead. A fair catch kick, Sean. Has Did it in go five, in? Did it go in? Five years. I think that most people didn't know that was even a rule, where if you fair catch a punt on the very next play, you can attempt a free kick from anywhere on the field. And uh, Brenton, I think, is recording me. Why are you laughing? No, 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 no. Because I'm, I'm so giddy about the fair catch kick. Yeah, no, he's texting you. Um, keep talking. Keep talking. Don't, don't worry, just keep talking. <laughs> don't, but don't yeah, so if, if 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 the team punts you and you fair catch it, you can literally try a field goal any point in the game on the very next play, and you almost never see this happen because the only time it ever makes sense would be at the end of a game or the end of the half. And the Panthers, the situation fell in their laps. Joey Sly had a sixty-yard field goal, and the thing about the fair catch kick is that the other team cannot rush you. So it's just like a kickoff, except you have a holder instead of a tee, and he somehow missed it. Uh, but it, for me, it was the most exciting play of the day, guys. Happy for you. Panthers yeah, are the best team in the FC South. No. I, I, I Saints. Think the Saints are probably better, but I mean, I don't think it's like one thing about Cam Newton that um, Bill Barnwell tweeted it. So give him credit, but it's I mean, I, something I should have thought about tweeting. Uh, Al Allen is better than an unhealthy Cam Newton. Yes. The healthy Cam Newton is better than Kyle Allen. Yes. I thought about tweeting that too, so give me credit as well. Does that need to be? Yeah. I, I think I don't want to dunk on Barnwell. Yeah. It's just, I no. feel like we've been saying this. Like, they, because of how well Kyle Allen's playing, they don't need to rush Cam Newton back. But if Cam Newton is 100% healthy, they should, should play. give him the starting job again. Yeah. Look, they showed a graphic during that game that said Kyle Allen, like, like last five games, five and over Kyle Allen. Then it was like previous nine games, Cam Newton, one and eight or oh and nine or you know, something. It's like, I saw that. It's like, it's like, what are you doing? NFL network. 
the Cam had shoulder surgery last year. Like at the end, like his shoulder was falling off. He couldn't throw more than thirty yards downfield. He said he literally like could not throw it that far. Yeah, and then this year his foot's been broken. So like, what what are we doing here? I mean, just, and and of course I got I got a you know, I got friends who are like you know anti Cam. They're like texting me with like a picture of that. I'm like, I don't want get me crap out of here. Uh, I don't think I don't I don't think Cam's coming back. I don't know if it matters, but we'll see. Um, Panthers are good. Their defense is awesome. Yep. I mean, and again, they. Okay. They so, you know, moving on, moving on. We have too many games to get to, to deal with. We do this forever. Broncos, Saints, and Jaguars. This is a low-scoring game. The Saints, maybe the best team in the NFC South, beat the Jaguars thirteen to six. Decent game. This, I mean, this is a defensive battle, right? I mean, like good game for Teddy Bridgewater, I guess. Uh, no, you know, wasn't that wasn't a blow-up game or anything like that, Ryan? But. They keep winning with Drew Brees gone, and we know he will come back. Do you think this uh, a win like this on the road? They keep covering. They keep winning in, in October. Do you think a win like this on the road allows them to uh, not rush uh, Drew Brees back? I think you keep Drew Brees on the bench, just like Cam Newton. I'm joking. Whoa. Okay. I'll relax. <laughs> no, of course not. Like, oh Teddy Bridgewater, he, did, he, was, he was fine. He wasn't great. He, was throwing, he missed a lot of throws high in the first half. He had a fantastic throw to Jared Cook uh, for the, the lone touchdown in that game. Um, in the second half, and, and that was about it. There was a lot of defense being played, but there wasn't a lot of great quarterback play. Um, I, um, look, uh, Drew will come back when he's healthy. I don't think he'll come back before then. He can't grip the football. It's not like Cam Newton can sort of hobble around and, and try to try to fool you and, and convince you that he's not actually injured. If Drew Brees can't pick the football up or he can't throw it 15 yards, it's not going to work out. I want to point out one thing. Cam Jordan, who was he might be one of the most underrated edge rushers. Maybe not, but I feel like he sort, he sort of is. He doesn't get mentioned as often as the other guys. He absolutely dominated Jawan Taylor, their second-round pick, the guy that we were talking a lot about in the draft process, about being really good, how he's going to solidify the right side of the Jaguars line. And he sacked Minshew twice because Jawan Taylor, who was built like a house, had no answers for Cam Jordan. Um, and that sort of stuck out to me. Uh, Minshew was fine. Um, he's, he's a good quarterback. But, again, I don't know if he's the guy you, you built a team around. If Nick Foles is healthy, which is sort of a weird thing to say because I'm not a big Nick Foles guy. You want Nick Foles to get the job back when he's ready to play? And okay. and Teddy Bridgewater to keep the job. Right. That's what he said. Both those things. And your team, Chase Daniel? Yeah. Ryan, I feel like I want you to run an NFL team. Why don't you be hired as a general manager and see if your cockamamie schemes work? Because I, I think they might. I think Wilson just watched too much Friday Night Lights and saw Matt Saracen, so now he just loves any back I never watched Friday Night Lights. You've never? Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this game is that the Saints defense is one of the five best defenses in football, and that's why I think um, – I mean, I think they're going to win the NFC South because they have not lost with Drew Brees out, and I don't think any of us expected that to happen. That's a good takeaway. All right. Uh, by the way, the uh, Saints and Bears play this week? Ooh. Under. Points. Hammer that under, guys. It's uh, 39 and a half. They're not getting to 40. It's like a 17-14 game. That's a how lot. Are they, how are they getting to 40 points? They're not. You turnovers are the only way that really screw that. But, like, Bridgewater hasn't really been, like, making turnover-worthy plays because they're not letting him. The The concern, honestly, would be if Trubisky plays and he has one of his, like, five interception, you know, nightmares. Yeah. Team uh, Chase Daniel, like I told you. Another game that did not get to 40 points because the Titans didn't score any points. Mm-hmm. Broncos 16, Titans 0. I want to point out to anyone who will listen – that includes the millions of people who download this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you get it, that the Broncos should be and could, <laughs> and I understand that they're not, the Broncos should be 4-2 and two and tied with the Chiefs for the division lead, hosting Kansas City, a banged-up 
Patty Prince Mahomes coming to town, four and two with a division title on the line, and I would be peacocking around all week long. And if they won, I would literally turn into a peacock, like popping around, bragging about how the Broncos are going to win that division. I don't think the Broncos are dead yet when it comes to the playoffs. They're behind the second place Raiders, who are game uh, half a game back of the Chiefs. The Raiders went overseas. We talked about this on the YouTube show. John Gruden hates traveling. Whenever sees him beat the Bears and beat them pretty badly. Um, that said, we can get to the Broncos in a second. The Bears. I have no. We were. We've been dogging Jameis Winston. Marcus Mariota has some things he needs to talk to himself. He got benched for, for Ryan. They're Tampa. both. They're both not being back with the team that drafted them. This Ryan is Tan- for both of them. Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota are are like the real life version of the Spider Man meme. Marcus like, Mariota threw one of the worst interceptions. Even Jameis was like, that is a terrible interception. What are you doing? <laughs> he like beat the pass rush, and he just threw like a Phillip Rivers arm punt down the field, and it was intercepted by uh, Simmons, I believe. And at that moment, the funny thing is, do you know how interceptions Marcus Mariota has thrown previous to that this year? Zero. None, which seems impossible. But that was enough for <laughs> Mike Vrabel and his stupid mustache to be like, all right, you're out. Uh, get your arm loose, Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill went and threw a bunch of interceptions. By the way, that 2015 draft class, quarterback draft class, that was you know very well anticipated. Who's the third, who's the third quarterback drafted? Garrett Grayson, who oh. uh, Sean Payton, after they drafted him, said, quote, this was the one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after that was Sean Mannion by the St. Louis Rams, mm-hmm. Bryce Petty by the Jets, oh, Brett, H- Brett Hundley by the Packers, and then Trevor Simeon, by the Broncos, which actually might be the best value in terms of like where they were actually picked. That is a rough. That's class. it. That's the quarterback class. So Takeaway is, and someone made this point that there doesn't have to be a franchise quarterback every year. I I, I really believe that Marcus Mariota can go somewhere that will use his skill set with RPS. Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, that's where he's going to sign. Why? What have they done in Tennessee that hasn't? He's had like seven uh, offensive coordinators, uh, and the guy the who is the offensive coordinator Smith. right now is the FedEx guy. <laughs> He's the delivery man. We can literally FedEx a better playbook to the Titans than they're using right now. I mean, Arthur, we, Arthur Smith is basically like if I was at like an NFL coach. I mean, like that's like, come on, what are we doing? If like Brenton somehow managed to like get himself into the Panthers building and like somehow <laughs> took over. I just don't like I like Marcus Marriott a lot. He seems like a genuinely nice person. But over since 2015, he has done literally nothing to convince me that he can. No, it's it's, it's over. It's over. It's done. In his defense, he couldn't feel his fingers last year. I but honestly I'm with you. He's gone. He's gone. I'm with you. I would. Tannehill him. didn't play as long as Mariota did, but he looked better. I mean, they both looked like he trash. couldn't look worse. But this is like, you know, trash where you find like food on the ground. It's only been there for five seconds. So you can still eat it or like hey, uh, you eat food that you find on the ground that's that's called the five second rule and that's food. yeah five seconds called trash it's still trash <laughs> refuse if you will all right well breach breach, breach, breach important question do you uh incorporate the five second rule when uh, involving the trash can if i drop in the trash there's no five second rule These have you ever have you ever pulled anything out of the trash can and then eaten it in my entire life? Yes. That's a yes. <laughs> I mean, if you even have to think about it. Yes. I think like if it's I, I did, like, I did it's some in a bag or something. College I'm not proud of. If it's like in a like in a bag or something. That's sealed. Fine. If it's sealed, it's fine. If, if it's it, like a McDonald's bag or whatever. Throw it a bag. 
Whoa, whoa, that wasn't a sealed bag. That was a loosely like thrown around McDonald's bag that Ryan did. What are you grabbing out of a McDonald's bag that you're eating out of the trash, Ryan? Okay, but here's my point. It, uh, real quick, is that uh, a piece of burger left there? So <laughs> you would eat Marcus Mariota if someone threw him into your trash can. And now that's a close way to put the question, to be honest, Sean. That's kind of like you're on Tinder too much to be asking me that. Uh, <laughs> the uh, but but. Ryan Tannehill is like a peanut you find on the ground that's been there for five seconds. You can still have it. Marcus Mariota is the French fry that's been in the couch for six months. It's just done. You throw it away. It's over. They need to start Tannehill next week. At least see what they have because he looked like the more competent quarterback in this game. He is the French fry. Mariota's the French fry. Tannehill's the peanut. Put Tannehill in. Play the peanut. Beat the Broncos or the uh, Chargers, because that's who they play next week. All the only reason Breach is coming up with these analogies is because someone on Twitter called him the flaming sea poet of this podcast, and now he feels like he has to come up with all these incredibly weird metaphors. I mean, I, I actually like the French fry one. Well done, you redeemed yourself. They were comparing the, us to the Around the NFL podcast. It's like a, it's like a bizarre world. You know, like that. I love that guy compared to Wes. I'm sure he hates that. We're both <laughs> bold. Yeah, I don't know that they all the comparisons necessarily fit perfectly, but it is like the same sort of dynamic. Like it would be like a uh, anchorman style. Um, oh God! So oh, the news team fight buddy. in the alley. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We ran into him. Yeah. Um, like, of course, those guys are over there, like uh, doing like jumbotron, uh, you know, videos on in uh, in in London at the, at the, at the <laughs> Tottenham Stadium, and we're uh, we're at the county fair next week. <laughs> <laughs> Pick it up, CBS. <laughs> All right, let's get through these last two games. Oh, no, the, oh, only one game left. Oh, really? Redskins, Dolphins. We didn't talk about. It's a Bengals joke. Just kidding. We had two oh. games left. Uh, <laughs> well, that joke's getting old. I <clears throat> wanted to talk about the Bengals, though. Redskins, Dolphins. Redskins. The Dolphins almost won a damn football game, but then they knew, they realized what was happening. They were going to ruin their chance to tank it all for Tua, so they busted out their best, worst two-point conversion play uh, they benched Josh Rosen for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It, it allowed them to get back in the game. I assume that means that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick will continue to play, I, I guess. Case no. Keenan was... No. Flora said he's going back to Josh Rosen. <laughs> he, he did? Really? Yeah. So he announced that Josh Rosen will be his quarterback for the season last a few days ago. Benched him in the third quarter. Benched him in the third quarter? Great day for backups named Ryan. He came off the bench, led a touchdown drive. And uh, after the game, Flores said, yeah, we're going to go back. There's no rhyme or reason to what's going on. It's, it's a lot. Of well, well, I would say this. I would say that I think that their logic in starting Ryan Fitzpatrick at the start of the season, they believe that he gives him a better chance to win games right now. That's but a bad they, thing. Yeah, you're, they, but, you're tanking. They, that's like the opposite but, of what you want. But like they want to they want to evaluate Josh Rosen as much as possible. Well, why take they, him out? <laughs> I, I, okay. I don't think you can defend the way in which that yeah. the Dolphins have handled the quarterback. Situation. Did Josh Rosen play terribly? Sure. Because also, why if you were going to tank, why even trade a pick for Josh Rosen? Because right. no quarterback is going to – you can't evaluate a quarterback in that situation. So yeah, I was all on board with them trading for Josh Rosen because it was a good cheap acquisition in terms of salary in terms of the draft pick. Because we talked about if Josh Rosen was in last year's draft, he would have been a top 10 pick. But then you trade everyone away. You just wasted a second round pick because Josh Rosen's not going to be their franchise quarterback. You don't know that. The Dolphins scored in the first. They're drafting a quarterback. They scored in the second half for the fun fact. The Dolphins scored in the second half for the first time this season. Mm, mm, mm. 
That is rough, man. Um, Fitzpatrick was 12 of 18 for 132 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Rosen was 15 of 25 for 85 yards and uh, two interceptions. I mean, I think it's just like a like, – I mean, I, I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick starts this game if he's just lighting up the Redskins the whole time or anything. Um, I wanted the Dolphins to win, though. It was kind of disappointing. You know what's funny is that Bill Callahan shows up at his first press conference last Monday – and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run the ball. On every play, I'm going to run, 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 run. I mean, he sounded like a 1940s, 1920s Newt Rockney victory speech. Run, 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 run. And everybody's like, dude, the Redskins already run enough. Why are you going to keep running? And he was like, no, run, 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 run. And then you know what he did? He ran the ball, and it worked. And he just kept running the ball. And he's like, I don't trust my quarterbacks. I don't even care who the starter is, if it's Case Keenum or Colt McCoy or Dwayne Haskins, it doesn't matter because I'm just going to be running the ball this whole entire game. They called 33 runs to 25 passes. Adrian Peterson went off for 118 yards, and the Redskins just controlled the game because they kept run, 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 run. And so, I I mean, my hat's off to Bill Callahan for uh, literally giving his strategy away on Monday, sticking to it, unlike Brian Flores, who said he was going to start Rosen on Monday and then benched him three-quarters in, as Ryan mentioned. Uh, So... Hats off to uh, Callahan for winning his first game, something Jay Gruden couldn't do, and not hats off to Snyder because I do think Jay Gruden would have won this game by two touchdowns. I will point out that uh, Bill Callahan's strategy beat one of the worst teams in the history of football by one point, and it came down <laughs> to a terrible two-point conversion. Yeah. And how does this strategy work going forward? Because they're not going to win another football game just running the ball. The Redskins are they're not going to win. Unless they play the Chiefs. Yeah. The Redskins I – mean, <laughs> This game was terrible, and I didn't watch. A, I mean, I didn't watch a whole ton of it. I was sort of monitoring it. It, it seemed like the Redskins were going to run away with it, and you could tell that Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen's going to have some press conference this week where he's like, "Yeah, you know, sometimes you just realize you got to make a change at the, t-, you know, and like like he's going to brag about the fact that they won one football game against the worst team in the last decade. They're going to get obliterated by the 49ers. It's a terrible <laughs> matchup for them. Then they're at the Vikings, at the Bills. The Redskins are going to be. They might not score a point in that span. Yeah, they really might not. Those are like the three best defenses in football or outside the Patriots. Uh, and finally. Oh, wait, one thing quickly. Yeah. Um, you'll love this. Let's about this podcast. I think we're like a hundred. Is it, scary, about, is it a scary Terry fact? Not scary Terry. You can do that in a second. Um, but uh, in the unofficial tote board, Sammy Watkins, 23 catches, 365 yards, three touchdowns. Your guy, Devontae Parker, 13 catches, 229 yards, two touchdowns. So it's getting close. It's getting closer. This yeah, is the Sammy saddest race ever. Now, <laughs> I feel like I like I feel pretty good about Devon, uh, about Parker. Who's throwing the ball? I mean, if he, if he Sammy can... doesn't play again, then yeah, you exactly. have a shot to get there. You have yeah. a shot. <laughs> might yeah. take all sixteen all right, games. Listen, uh, this podcast is way too long. Devo is not here, and 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 there's nobody to wrangle me. Uh, Mike Warbaugh doing an excellent job filling in, but unfortunately, you know, like he, Devo's like, stop talking, move to the next game. Uh, Ravens, Ravens, Bengals, Ravens. This is our last game. Ravens twenty-three, Bengals seventeen. John Breach, uh, your level, you reach a new level of sadness this evening. How's it going? Well, you know what they say in the gambling world: good teams win, great teams cover. And at this point, all I am sure I actually have a shirt that says that is for the Bengals to cover the spread because that means the game was watchable, was exciting. I don't feel like I wasted three hours of my life, and that's what I got today. Look. 
Did the Bengals only have six yards at the end of the first quarter? Yes. Did I think they were going to lose 51 to nothing? And I was going to have to apologize to Sean and put the Bengals in the same tier as the Dolphins? Yes. I thought all of this was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, they blew up in the second half. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't really shut down Lamar Jackson, but they really slowed him down because he did most of his damage in the first quarter. Surprisingly, the Ravens just kind of fell off the map after the first quarter. I think he had 80 yards rushing on their first two drives and then got 75 more over the final three quarters. And so this was actually a very interesting game that actually makes me more concerned about the Ravens than anything with the Bengals because we saw what they, they got smoked by the Browns. They probably should have lost to the Steelers, and this game was a lot closer than it should have been. It went from that first quarter, it really felt like the Bengals were going to lose by seven touchdowns. And by the fourth quarter, it was like, oh my God, maybe they could win this game. Uh, so yes, Lamar Jackson absolutely went off, and he said after the game, hey, look, the Bengals' de run defense sucks, so we're just going to run over it. And that's exactly what they did, and the Bengals' run defense does suck. So uh, good, for, good on the Ravens for exploiting that, but to exploit it like they did, they rushed for 269 yards and only win by six points, uh, it just makes me a mildly concerned about the Ravens. Yeah, I love Lamar Jackson. He's like one of my favorite players, even though he plays for the Ravens, and I have no reason to like them. I will say this. Mark Andrews is fantastic, great tight end. He insists on trying to leapfrog people and like doing mm -hmm. the hurdle. I will give the Bengals credit, John. I don't know who the defensive player was, but he actually did another stupid leapfrog, and they punched the ball out and recovered the fumble. So I think that's going to be the new thing going forward when these guys try to jump over guys, just try to punch it out. And... um Quit leapfrogging. You get hurt. So I've got good news for Breach and bad news for Breach. The good news for Breach is that 10-6 and 6 is still in play. The Bengals are only 0-6. So that is the ceiling is still... <laughs> what a jerk. The ceiling is still there. The bad news for Breach is that Andy Dalton is now over 1,000 yards off the pace to tie Peyton Manning's single season passing Hey, John, record. at what point do you want to see Ryan Finley? Never. Really? Never. Ryan Finley should start. They're 0-6. The Sean, Andy Dalton still gets to play the Dolphins and the <laughs> they might lose that game. <laughs> Jets and um, they don't really have it. He, I, you know what, man? I give up. It's, it's a long shot, but he can still break it. Let's not let's not joke about this. He lit up the Seahawks. The Seahawks are five and one. The Seahawks defense sucks, though. Yeah, Baker Mayfield threw three interceptions. Dalton didn't. What? <laughs> <laughs> Suck on that. Weird flex, but are you prepared to admit that Zach Taylor's terrible? No, I, they the Bengals have a horrible roster, and they have been competitive in four out of their six games. So I don't think that they could be. They could be one and five in, in the Bengals' defense. They could be four and two. <laughs> what? Uh, Branson sitting here talking about how the Broncos should be four and two and winning their division. The Bengals, that makes sense, though. They could have beaten the Seahawks. They could have beaten the Bills. They could have beaten the Cardinals. And they could have theoretically won this game. That's four and two. They're, they have a Andy Dalton had 21 passing yards at halftime against the Cardinals. That's they, four losses. They had six yards of offense in the first quarter today. Four They're, losses by six points or less. Four losses by six points or less. As actually, I said, 10 and six still in play. They just need to break. If the, if the ball starts bouncing their way, 10 win team. The uh, they, good news is, well, actually, this is sort of bad news. Um, with the Jets' victory over the Cowboys and the and the uh, and the Bengals' loss, now the Bengals have the third lowest point differential in the NFL, and they are creeping quite close to the Washington Redskins, who have a win, of course, and therefore I think would leapfrog the uh, the Bengals. So now it's just the Bengals and the Dolphins, right? Where do they um, play? They play, I think, in Miami. 
Oh. In week 16, I'm excited to watch I am excited to watch that game. <laughs> should, I hope, so I'm going to request a cover. In per, if the, both teams are winless, I'm going to be go that game. We should go down to CBS and everyone go to Miami for that game. And we all like do a live podcast at that game, like during the game, just watch Breach melt down as the Bengals go to 0-15. No, as they win because they blow their shot at the number one pick. That would be more of a meltdown at that point. Uh, all right. Anything else to add before we get out of here? Nope. All right. That's fine. Cool. Let's, uh, let's get out of here. Great podcast, guys, as usual. Great week six. We're back uh, tomorrow. Firing up with J- Jason Lacafora to, to break down the latest news and notes around the NFL. And then we will talk to Jared Dubin for a Monday night preview. Thanks, guys. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.